Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of season 10 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, it's Matthew Stockton. Why didn't I sequelize this earlier? Because I'm a bigger asshole than you. <laughs> That's something we can all agree on? Yes. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> If this is someone's first episode, the, we, the way we introduce ourselves is always so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was listening to a podcast for the first time the other day, and they didn't introduce the speakers. I'm like, hey guys, welcome to the episode. We're going to talk about this. And then they just start talking, and I was like, there are four different people, I think, <laughs> according to the credits. Like, it's Jack, Tim, Matt, and Matt too, all talking in this. I'm like, I don't know who anyone is. You haven't introduced anybody. Mm, it gets fair. very confusing. You do good job, Jack. Who else is in the room? Uh, nobody. Just just me and Matt today. Just hanging out. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> no, of course, joining me and Matthew, it's Tim Matum. You couldn't sequelize a three-time loser with this garbage you're bringing in here. The film has done absolutely nothing. The first thing you know, you'll wind up in a direct-to-DVD rap for both of you. That's accurate. That's, That's, fair. That. That's fair. That was good. <laughs> you can't see, listeners, because this is a podcast. Ah. But whoa, 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 slow down, Matt. Oh, shit. What's sorry. a podcast? Uh, <laughs> so we're not on a vodcast. That was a thing. Tim, cover your ears. Tim thinks we're recording this. Um, no, <laughs> uh, no, but um, Tim did a lot of little gesticulations and I really liked him. I appreciate that a lot. I gave a lot of the performance, but uh, you don't get to see them. That's for that's the theater for us. Acting. Mm. Yeah. Acting. Mm. Speaking of acting, we're going to be talking about a lot of acting. Gene Actman. <laughs> 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 Amazing, Matthew. Thank you for that. That's right. Because we are, in fact, delving all the way back to the 1970s, which is not something we've done too regularly here on Sequelizers. I don't think of any other 70s. Well, obviously, we've covered the Godfather films. Yep. Mm-hmm. Poseidon yeah. Adventure. Poseidon Adventure, yeah. With Gene Ackman. <laughs> <laughs> we are, in fact, talking about The French Connection 2 from 1975. Jack. Yes. It's... French connection too. Oh no! There's no. <laughs> oh no! The. There's no the. It's they dropped the the yeah, just to did. make it cleaner. Tim Blake same... wasn't born, but <laughs> they knew. In the same way that we're just sequelizers, technically on everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, we're not at the sequelizers. And I mean, you couldn't go to like Patreon.com/slash the sequelizers. That doesn't exist. You should go to Patreon.com/slash sequelizers instead. That was very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> and there you can get ad-free episodes. You can get early access. You get bonus. Features and extra commentaries. We've got three commentaries coming up. We've yeah. already got our Star Trek Into Darkness one. I hope you have enjoyed that, dear patrons, because they're a lot of fun to do. I really love just hanging. It, it's watching a shit film with your friends. It's, it's the, the fun part of watching the bad films for sequelizers, really. Hats. Lots of hats in Star Trek Into Darkness. There's a hats drinking game that we establish about 40 minutes into the film. Which is already too late, but you probably still would be very drunk. This is a good segue because the theme for Series 10 is fucking hats with fucking Popeye. We'll get to that later. There's a lot of hats going on. There's a lot of hats going on. But yes, you can get the movie commentaries. You can get outtakes. We did a kind of quite a a detailed talk about police and uh, throughout media and all that kind of stuff to kind of tie into the French Connection side of things. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can get all of that plus exclusive merch, discounts on merch and loads of other extra goodies. We've got some very cool merch coming up as part of our anniversary celebrations in May. Also my wedding. So yeah, that'll be... <laughs> I have some <laughs> wedding-themed merch. Why not? Jack's going to count how many years he's married based on how many years we've been doing sequelizers. <laughs> it's like, how many years have been doing sequelizers? Seven. 
take away five. Right, I've been being married for two years. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> this would be a nice way of working out. It's an easy thing to remember. Yeah, sure. Also, yeah. also, his morning suit is made of spare sequelizers t-shirts that we've sewn together. And we have a few spare ones. <laughs> but yes, if you don't want to get all of that, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. And if you go to the higher tiers, you can become an executive producer just like these fine folks have. Alright, man. Here's a book I wrote about cops in New York. You know what I'm saying? Fuck the, the police. Fuck the NYPD. That never made me feel safer. Jonathan Firth Clark. Oi, babe, these guys is New York spineless, strangled and denied it for Anthony Byers. Zenos. They was cruel, maybe had a pool probably. That was 94, he was one of three bodies. Hyper Dude Man. Ernest Sayon and Johnny Cromarty under Giuliani, well, they had them a party. James McDowell. In 73, there were riots in Queens when they murked Clifford Grover, he wasn't even a teen. Josh Miles. Used to be nine, he had just turned ten. Pig said, die, you little fucking got off clean. Colin Thompson. And ain't a thing that these bars do that can make up for the pain of the family of Herman Ozzy. Stuart Maine. Randolph Evans was 15 in 1976 and a cop did two years of shooting. One time point blank, blank in the head. Marcus Lindstrom. And 30 years later, exactly, on his wedding day, four officers shot 50 bullets and Sean Bell was uh, dead. Philip Morgan. Veteran Detective Oliver, two magazines, no remorse, jeez, man. And Josh Van der Sluice. Hey, yo, fuck the New York Christian dicks who want to be a cop for the power on the idiot. Thank you for your support. As always, executive producers, you make this season possible. You make the commentaries and all the bonus stuff possible and all the interseason stuff. We just had a banger of an interseason a couple of episodes ago. A bumper, a banger. A bumper banger, if you will, Tim. Yes, yeah. 15 episodes in total, wasn't it? Was it 15 or 13? 13. 13? Well, 13, well... 10 standard interseason yes. episodes. Oh, thank you. Yes. Plus Sorry. a triple MCU special. Yes. Plus three th- bonus episodes. Three bonus episodes. Yes. 16 is the correct one. So, but yeah. wait, there's more. But there, wait, there's there more. <laughs> <laughs> well, they get access to things like pitches and stuff as yeah, well. Tons of cool stuff. You get yeah. to see the pitch in full, in text form, so you can read along and even links to like IMDb pages if yeah. you're not familiar with any of the actors and all Very that kind helpful. of stuff. There's a little glimpse behind the scenes. You can get to read through our stuff if you want to go and haven't already and catch up and have a read through my star trek into darkness equivalent pitch my sequelized version of that or see I'll, how all the alien names are spelled uh genuinely yeah yeah i spelt some alien names phonetically in my in my script <laughs> it was it was interesting uh you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers like i said so let's dive into the 1970s shall we gentlemen mm. do loads of drugs Go to the 70s. Well, this film has actual heroin, as in... It has like, literal, literal, actual, heroin. real-life heroin and, yeah. a, and an actual, real police test for heroin yeah. in the film. It's, it's, it's a very... Okay, The French Connection is one of those movies that's kind of lost for a lot of people. And people, uh, many people have forgotten how uh, transformative it was as a film. It, it, when I was watching it, I was like, this is good. I'm enjoying this. And then I... Because I hadn't seen it before. Sure. I watched it for the first time for this. And then I kind of looked into the behind the scenes stuff and I was like, oh, this was kind of revolutionary. Very yes. much so. Very much so. I had the exact same experience, Tim. Mm. I had not seen the French Connection 1 or French Connection 2 before mm-hmm. until uh, uh, this weekend, right? <laughs> where I double billed them basically back to back. 
with a lunch with a lunch break in the middle, essentially. And yeah, I, I, <laughs> break for some tasty heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Had a little heroin break in the middle. You know Ooh, how I do. Spot a lunch, inject it straight in my mouth. <laughs> yep. Li- someone- we call it liquid lunch, Matthew. <laughs> I got someone to throw an apple at me and then I hit it with the chicken wing that I was eating. <laughs> yep, you know and me I and my went, chicken wings. Went back to some heroin. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you're totally right that I hadn't really kind of acknowledged how revolutionary and influential this film is. I've obviously heard the name and I vaguely knew bits and pieces about it, but didn't actually know much of the plot. I'd heard of the character of Popeye Doyle, Gene Hackman's character. Mm and a couple of other bits and pieces, but really went in pretty blind for a more than 50-year-old movie, and then again for the sequel, knowing literally nothing about the sequel. Mm. I didn't even know there was a second one until this was put on the list. Mm. You know, that was a couple of years ago when we were talking about building the list of sequels. I was like, huh, I didn't know they did a French connection too. How weird. I wonder what the first one's like. Mm. Now I know. Matt, I assume you saw both of them in the cinemas when you were 110. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm only in my 20s. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, uh, no, I remember some both at a very young age. Uh, I think I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I watched them both. I can imagine you doing that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Pretentious little Matthew. Oh, yeah. I imagine French Connection 2 was kind of hard to get a hold of pre-DVD and streaming age. Kind of. Um, yeah. video was obviously easy enough to find, but no, mm. the DVD was the actually they released the DVD box sets of one and two, very early two thousands. I want to say mm. so. I so when you're in that sort of era, still right? in, in your early twenties, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So if you think of two thousand two, I would have been eighteen, for example. Mm. But yeah, I was like, oh, this is a thing that's supposed to be good. I'll watch it. I've probably seen uh the conversation at that point. You know, oh my god, this is a massive underrated thing. Gene Hackman's amazing, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that anyone ever talked about was that, oh, the French Connection has the greatest chase scene of all time. The greatest car chase, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's always what people say. Then you watch and go, actually, that's really fucking good. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Um, so I watched the first one and the second one back to back pretty much. You and- had my experience this weekend, but 20 years earlier. Pretty <laughs> much, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I really love them because, again, I could tell how around that time I watched Bullet as well. And Bullet is a very influential film on this one. This is a Stephen yeah. Queen um, cop drama. In Came the, out a couple of years before. 67, 68, I think. 68, yeah. Yeah, I believe yeah. it is, yeah. But it feels so different because yep. of the way this one was shot mm. and directed. Bullet um, is in San Francisco specifically, so it's got a lot of like you know amazing car chases over these amazing hills, very iconic. Yeah. People have been trying to replicate it for a long time. Um, very cool, very literally cool. Quite, you know, the mm. sense of like it's it's fucking Steve McQueen. It's Steve McQueen. Yeah. It's Steve McQueen in the car. It's with, Steve McQueen know. with a Lalo Schifrin soundtrack. Yeah, it's 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 pretty fucking spectacular, and that holds up really well. And then this thing comes out, and it's New York, and it's grimy, and it's a time capsule. It feels like the people who are filming this might have died on set. If they've been <laughs> too careful not where they were going, sort of thing. And it's one of those really interesting things you hear about, you know, the various drug epidemics in america and how chicago was an old city being riddled with shit detroit was an old city but had the motor industry still so it's probably fine but new york was a fucking slum basically mm, it was a yeah. really rough fucking neck of the woods and fr- the french connection shows it off but the thing that you don't really sort of remember especially from a european point of view is the drugs were coming from france and you're like <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, the bad guys. It's not. It's called the French Connection for a reason. Yeah, mm. they're trying to stop the source of the drugs and well, the heroin they, coming. In. They weren't coming from France. They were coming via, via, via France. France. My apologies, yeah. Yeah, via France. <laughs> but it was a very important. Like that's how they were getting from 
Marseille from through from yeah, Algeria from Africa. like yes, yeah, yeah from uh, kind of India and China Middle where East and, yes. all yeah. the kind of the opium was being grown yeah. all kind of funneled through mm -hmm. Marseille and stuff like that. Yeah. And the thing is Marseille was literally I mean Marseille was known as the hub to Africa and to the Mediterranean and to yeah. Technically Israel as well. It's just how it's been as a port town. I mean, the, the one thing they go to the Chateau d'If a few times, it's where the Count of Monte Cristo is set. It's all these mm. iconic, it's one of France's most iconic ports, mm. basically. And so all these things factors into this movie. To talk about the French connection is to talk about how it was shot and how it was made. Yep. Mm. Because the story is just two cops, one's a bit more unhinged than the other one. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And they're trying to take the drugs off the streets. It's yeah. all pretty straightforward. And even the it second one, to, to a slightly lesser extent, but it's still fairly straightforward. Yeah. Mm. Cop goes on holiday. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cop goes on really bad holiday. <laughs> really bad holiday. <laughs> pretty, really bad trip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's so much behind the scenes stuff from the French Connection. And whether that's people going back kind of mm -hmm. retroactively and talking mm. about the influence it's had on cinema over the last 50 years or even people interviewing the people at the time, whether that's the actors or the crew even, and the cinematographer, the director, all, all the people that were directly involved in this film. It's fascinating to see just how kind of real it was. We, we joked about it earlier at the top of the show, like, there's real heroin in this. This is not a bunch of flour and <laughs> fucking, you know, rat poison or whatever mm. heroin is these days. I wouldn't know. <laughs> it's actual real heroin, and the police test that they do on the drug is the real police test that is actually done and yeah. like the guy that fixes the car and like sorts the car out and stuff yeah. is the real guy that did that on the real case that happened in real life that this mm, film is based mm. on that is the actual like forensics guy sorting out the car and stuff. Almost mm. everybody on the force who is involved in this is in the film. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit where they raid a, a bar and there's obviously a lot of African American dudes in there, most of whom are policemen. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the, the when when he does the like status, uh, yeah, Popeyes here in the bar, the standoff yeah. in the bar, basically, mm. they're all off-duty cops. Basically, the yeah. entire bar is made up of the actual police officers that were working the case that this film is based on. Yeah, because the case happened about I think it was like three or four years earlier, I believe, like the late sixties. Like, yeah, I think I'm right like there. That. There's, there's actually, there's about an hour long documentary by Mark Kermode on I, YouTube. Mm, I watched it. Yeah, yeah it's a very good <laughs> it's documentary. Great. Um, yeah. It's really, if you're interested in kind of how this film was made, why it was so unique at the time, because it's been so, it's so influential that when you, as Jack and I said, when you watch it now, you don't understand because it's been so replicated how much of a difference it was. But it's partly because of how it's aged so well for that. Yeah. Reason. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's shot on like I think I think it's Kodak Five. I'm not sure I the name of it, but there's a it specific is. type of yeah. lens and, and camera and footage. Mm. Uh, sorry, and, and and film I should say that was using things like The Godfather, that really dark, really mm. grainy, very real. And and freaking the director Billy Freakin, um, his whole thing was I uh, uh the the I can't remember the name of the um camera operator in the cinematography but it was this guy the camera operator was a guy called ricky bravo ricky bravo uh, he, yes. he is a documentarian who literally was yes. like by castro's side That's during the cuban revolution exactly, yeah and he like didn't really speak english that well yeah and the instructions freaking gave were just keep shooting no matter what yeah, yeah they yeah. didn't rehearse they barely rehearsed anything mm -hmm. and basically freaking would take hackman and whoever he's sharing a scene with or whatever mm -hmm. and be like okay do you know your lines? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, cool. Run through them now with me. And I'm like, okay, cool. I say this. He says this. I say this. He says this. Cool. Okay. You're going to get two takes and Ricky is just going to keep running. So do, go for it. And I'm like, mm, yeah. sorry, what? And like, yeah. 
Yeah. They the phrase that is brought up by Mark Kermode in, in, and the people interviewed there is like, yeah, we kind of shot it like a documentary. And like mm. they really mean that. It's and, like live to film takes and like pretty mm-hmm. much the entire film mm. is a one or a two take per shot. It's yeah. absolutely insane. And they would do stuff like not tell the camera operator what way the characters are going to turn yes. when they when they say so they come out of an alley and they run off in a direction, the camera operator doesn't know which way they're going to run so that there is that moment of like it's the frenetic uh, panic c- visually c- confusion yeah. and stuff like that that feels like the camera is trying to keep up with them yeah mm-hmm. and that, that adds it that verisimilitude yeah and and freaking and the cinematographer uh roisman who was really kind of thinking about how they could make it feel believable and you're totally right there tim they had this moment where they were like i mean ricky barely speaks english like uh, what can we do and like just just tell him as much as you can i guess and then they actually thought that's a fucking good idea. Mm. Actually, that's a really cool way of doing it. And like we said, it's kind of mind-blowing and revolutionary. They were doing this 50 years ago, and we get shit today that is just so boring to look at. And <laughs> and this film has aged so well because it is so believable. The fucking like, car jam, the jam that they have, the traffic jam. Mm. Oh, yeah. Just a legit traffic jam. On the bridge, They, yeah. they did not have clearance to, mm. f- to film and jam up that bridge. Yeah. So they actually jammed it up for real. And yeah. they were like, we'll get a bunch of the crew to park their cars and mm-hmm. just jam this bridge up for real. It's like, can you do that? It's like, I don't fucking know. We're no just, permits, we're... we'll just do it. Mm. They, it the yeah. whole film was like a million and a half, the entire budget. They said they could do it for a million and a half knowing full world. They couldn't. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it went up to like two million, if I remember correctly. Mm. And still... It's spectacular, the film that they could make on such a... uh, Granted, this is 50 years ago, so $2 million then is a lot Mm. more money now. But still, it's amazing how good this film looks, how brilliant the performances are. Like, it is a fucking masterpiece, this first movie. And how, like, everything you hear about the backstage and behind-the-scenes stuff is like, that shouldn't have worked. Yeah. Oh, God, this could have gone so wrong so quickly. You could all be completely fucked and this could be an absolute mess. <laughs> like somehow this lightning in a bottle moment happened mm-hmm. and it just all perfectly just gelled together to make that first movie. Yeah, I mean, to talk about the iconic car chase and and Billy Freakin has said like Bullet had come out a few years earlier and they yeah. were like, that's like, how do you top the Bullet chase? Like, and they'd like kind of walked around Manhattan and then had the idea of like, oh, we'll have someone in a car chasing someone on a train and like do it different that way. But when they shot it, that's Gene Hackman driving that car. Yeah. And like the cars that he's like swerving to avoid, that's just other people who don't know that they're being in a film. They're just people on the street. Like they didn't close yeah. down the streets to shoot that. That's mm. Gene Hackman avoiding real motorists. Yeah. And stuff like that. It's quite insane. And I think I think obviously like the bit where he almost hits a pram. Oh yeah. Was, that staged. is an actor. Yeah. But I I'm not sure he actually knew like that was happening or so i, I i'm trying mm. to remember now well but the they, truth is at this point it's so lost into the moment of where like did you know that's actually i don't fucking know yeah because you're so deep in it how yeah yeah which is in the wrong hands is an unprofessional set where everything's out of control and out your, oh yeah out your mind yeah but in the hands of freaking it's like yeah i i know what you were doing and you were so right to do that because if you put this through a contemporary lens and you were to make that film today Kind of in a way like American Gangster was made by Ridley Scott with Russell Crowe. And that's a different story entirely, but it's kind of a similar scene with uh, with drugs and that sort of other thing. Um, but the difference being, you know, the, the criminals are charming and 
the cops are mostly corrupt. And if you look at things like, you know, Popeye Doyle, he's not a good cop. Nope, no. He's an unhinged he's, fucking yeah. freak. Yep, yeah. If, if you're wondering, we keep mentioning William Freakin, like, oh, I recognize that name from yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. The guy who did The Exorcist, everybody. Yeah. This is before The Exorcist. Yeah. Well. This is two years before The Exorcist. Mm. This motherfucker makes two of the most influential films within, like, two years of each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. And ignoring the fact that, you know, obviously, Gene Hackman is amazing. Roy Scheider is fucking brilliant in the first movie yeah. as well. He it's, is good. Yeah, Roy Scheider's always good. Um, even Fernando Rey playing Chartier, like, mm. this fascinating like mm. weird interesting he's got that classic american opinion in the 70s of a, a charming european man yeah. who's very very dangerous yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. got that kind of silver tongue mm. i think it, i don't know if like, i can see it influencing like bond villains throughout the I years was say, kind of stuff, like, i yeah. know it's not french but that's the kind of like the same the silver performance mm, for yeah, sure it's yeah it's sort of like yeah. this guy is really cool and i'm quite worried about that <laughs> yeah yeah before we go any further in, in talking about how great the French Connection is and yes. then get on to French Connection 2, and which is a relatively well-received sequel. Like, there's it a is. lot of people who consider it one of the great sequels. Yeah, We'll get into that. We'll talk um, about it. We should go through the, the synopsis. Yes, we getting should. Getting too carried away. Good oh, we're getting too carried away about one of the greatest films ever made. <laughs> now, having said all that, and that's what we said earlier about the nature of to talk about the movies, talk about how it was filmed, because the actual plot, it's quite rudimentary. Yeah, it's a fairly classic cop detective kind detective of stuff. stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I've made it incredibly whittled down. So, The French Connection, 1971. In France, we are introduced... No, I'm kidding. In France, we're introduced to King drug kingpin Alain Charnier. Uh, he is tailed by the local police, but hitman Pierre-Nicolai kills him. I'm going to literally jump around quite the, a lot here. But the policeman, you... not Charnier. Yes, that's my policy. They kill the policeman who's been telling him to show these powerful. In New York, we're introduced to narcotics detectives Jimmy Doyle and Buddy Russo, who are uh, Popeye and Cloudy, respectively, as their nicknames. And uh, Popeye, or Jimmy Doyle, is played by Gene Hackman, and Cloudy's played by Scheider. Uh, they're on a drug bust in a bar, which leads to a foot chase through the streets of Brooklyn, and Popeye's weird interrogation techniques. Uh, he is dressed as Father Christmas at the time. Yep. It's uh, a chase of Father Christmas is fucking yeah. brilliant. And it is apparently based on the things that Eddie Egan would say at the time. Like, yes. Do you pick your feet and pick, you've been in Poughkeepsie, you've been in Poughkeepsie. And it's like, what? what? It's, it was so disorientating that they say anything because they're so like, what the fuck are you yeah, doing? It's, yeah. so it's, a, it's a phrase that doesn't really mean anything, but it will get people to confess to stuff and throw them off their, their call mm. and be like, oh yeah, I'm prepared for this. And yep. be like, hey, did I do something? I did. Was I in Poughkeepsie? Oh yeah. shit, I don't know. He is, he's adamant, I must have been there. Yeah. So I might have actually been there. And then it lowers your guard, lowers your guard. It's basically... Horrific police tactics, but it worked for him yeah. at the time. They're very proud yeah, of it. It was the 60s yeah. at the time. So yeah, to correct myself from earlier, mm. the original case was 10 years earlier in 61. Ah. The, the book came out in 1969. The French Connection book that yeah, wrote yeah. about the real case. Mm. And Which then, was written by the cops who written were by, of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Written by Eddie Egan and the other guy as well. Like, thinking about how, you know, there's 10 years from that case to now, but only two years from the book until the mm. film. Yeah, like, and they've also said yeah. it in the 70s. They haven't really yes. said it in the 60s yeah. specifically. Yeah. So it's a contemporary iteration of it. Yep. Back in France, we learn that Charnier is smuggling $32 million of heroin into the United States, concealed in a car, bound on a ship for New York. $32 million mm. in 1971. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. You could make 32 French connections. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. At least 16. Um, yes, exactly. at least 16 of them. So while out um, 
while out relaxing, the two detectives make a connection uh, between mobsters and learn that the aforementioned... Is it a French connection? Uh, mm, connection Italian. of the European kind? Yeah. Continental connections, I might say. Yeah. I'm, I'm merging over things like lawyers and other bits and pieces because yes. it's not that important. Yeah, they make the connection between set mobsters and learn that the aforementioned huge shipment of heroin is due in the next two weeks. As such, they secure a wiretap on one of their targets, Sal Boca. Salvatore Boca. Then in a very cool tale sequence, when Sharnier gets to America, uh, he realizes he's been tracked, so agrees to meet Sal in Washington, D.C. Sharnier's hitman offers to kill Popeye, stating that, you know, by the time they get back to France, it won't matter anyway, but if they put another detective on the job. But he's like, no, 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 there'll be more police. I don't want to do it. I don't want you to. I want to, I want to lay low a little bit. Just, let's not cause any more heat than we need yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. Despite this, Nikolai shoots at Popeye and misses. Mm-hmm. This gives way to this enormous chase sequence. So this starts as an intense, intense chase. He was on foot, which then transitions to Nikolai getting a train and Popeye pursuing in a car. So the train and car thing is almost directly because of Bullet. They Correct. wanted to do a car chase and they were like, fucking Bullet fucking nailed it. Like, yeah. Yeah. How, do you, how do you do a better car chase than Bullet? And they were like, I have to do a train. We can't have a train chase a train. No, a car chase. Car chase and a train. That's a <laughs> yeah. fucking brilliant idea. Because you've got the over-rail train, which is literally those uh, sort of big girded trains. That yeah. Yeah. Tracks. yeah. And it feels really New York as well. It very much yeah. does. Fact that, like trains and subways and metro systems. Mm-hmm. Stuff, it's such a New York thing. to I me. Mean, you think of Spider-Man swinging Spider-Man past. Two. And <laughs> Spider-Man <laughs> 2. Exactly. Yeah. Stopping that overground train. Mm. That's going into the sea for some reason. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. No idea why it's going to the yeah. Hudson. Doesn't matter. Why not? <laughs> anyway, so this, this chief sequence is very, very cool because obviously he's trying to keep up with the train at any cost and the train's going faster than he can go on the road and he's avoiding cars, which mm. we know is literal. Actual literal cars. Yeah. Anyway, then Nikolai was in, sees what's happening, takes over the train, kills the conductor. Uh, the train's about to then hit another stationary train when the emergency brakes kick in. Nikolai's sort of flown to the window. Popeye then chases on foot and kills Nikolai. It's one of the main things on the poster. Yeah. Mm. He shoots him in the back. He shoots, shoots him in the, the back. back. And that's yeah. the key thing as well. It's like, oh, you're a bad dude. Pal. He's yeah. not an honorable cop. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, yeah. exactly. But he gets the job done. That's the yeah. whole classic phrase. Um, so this car comes in from France. It's then impounded by the police. And they can't, they, obviously, they can't literally hold the car with any reason. So they, uh, their team go over the whole thing. They take the car apart, but they can't find the signs of the drugs. This is what I was talking about earlier. The literal guys yeah. that did this in real life. These are the real tests the cops yeah. actually did in the 60s and 70s. But still blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. And then they know that the weight is too heavy. So yeah. the car's been taken apart, but it's still like, I think like 20 pounds over. Yes. Over yeah. Um, so the product must be, it has to be concealed somehow. Eventually they find the heroin in the panels, in the, is it the, the rocker panels, or is it the roller panels mm. in the door, um, uh, or under the doors, I should say. And it's all there. So the police then release a substitute car. A decoy. They, yeah. Because they yeah. take the thing apart so much. It's like, yeah, uh, we can't we can't put this back out there. It's in, <laughs> it's in pieces. Um, so they recently substitute basically to be delivered to Chanier. Uh, a deal is then made for the drugs, and the heroin's quality is tested. Um, and with the deal made, the money is hidden in a different car, which will then be sent back to France. So it's all like the actual mechanics of the crime. Yeah. So it's nothing flash and fancy. It's like we're going to smuggle the drugs in, concealed in this thing, smuggle it out the same way it came in. Mm. That's, the, that's how it works. Yeah. yeah. At which point, Popeye and the other police officers appear and give chase. Uh, Sal is killed, uh, and a lot of the other criminals surrender. Popeye and Cloudy pursue Chanier, but Popeye shoots an FBI agent in the oh, chaos. Yeah, and then Popeye runs into another room, and a single gunshot is heard, and the film and ends. The film ends. Great ambiguous ending. Fucking yeah. brilliant. We're then treated yeah. to an interesting series of title cards that explain everyone's fate very quickly, which you get something we're quite used to now. 
And it's fascinating because it's like, from a cop story, you're expecting it to go a certain way, especially because it's based on a true story. And it says, oh yeah, Shania got away. We don't know. His, you know, And it's like, did he or did he get shot in the room? We don't want to talk about it. What's happened here? And it says, oh, and by the way, Claudia and Popeye were assigned to new cases. Yeah. reassigned. So yeah, they're, like, they're just like, what? oh, they're, they're moved on to narcotics and everything's fine. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah, it's all oh, very... Oh, okay. yeah. I, I think, think obviously I people think arrested and things, but it's interesting. Charnier was never seen again, I yes. think is yeah. the thing. Yes. It's just like, does that mean he's dead? Or does that mean That's it, exactly, he yeah. got away? The purposeful yeah. ambiguity it's of those. It's such a yeah, really like abrupt... Because uh, the thing is that that final scene in that warehouse with Popeye running around, it's grim and it's bleak. And he looks like at his wit's end. He doesn't care anymore. Which is indicatively very much of his character anyway, so that's, that's quite cool. The problem is how that film ends does not lend itself cleanly to a sequel about that same character. Yeah. Which takes us to 1975. <laughs> um, uh, just, just to answer your question, Jack, 32 million in 1971 is 224 million now. Damn. That, that's, that's a Marvel movie, that's baby. That's a Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, yeah. Worth of, coke, of, of heroin. Yeah, <laughs> that you would then sell for a lot more. Yes. Yeah. Almost, some would say, a Spider-Man No Way Home box office. <laughs> <laughs> you um, turn that budget into a box office, baby. <laughs> so again, plot-wise, I mean, again, I glazed over some characters there and things that aren't really worth worrying about the lawyer and things and blah, 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 blah. Mm. But in truth, that's the meat of the story. Yeah. Crime happens. They're doing stuff because they're narcotics cops. They find out almost haphazardly this thing is happening. Mm. There's a couple of people who are like a, a famous celebrity who's duped into bringing the car over yes, in the first like place. Yes, like a French actor. Yeah. yeah. Henri, uh, what's his face? It's like, you're De an accessory. Devereux, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're an accessory to this. And it's like, oh, no, no, I haven't done anything wrong. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you have, you dumbass. So all these things are there and it's, it's played out nicely. It's also not too long. It doesn't drag. The pacing's quite nice. Mm. Um, but again, it really is about that ending. Because it's such an interesting tone to hit. Mm. Sequel. Now, as Tim said, and very correctly, this is a very, I think, a largely revered sequel. People mm. rate this highly, I think. Yeah. Although, weirdly, that, you know, as Jack and I said, like, it's not, even though it's revered as a sequel, it's nowhere near something like The Godfather Part 2. Yeah. Because it doesn't, in the way that the French connection is so impactful on pop culture and is so held up, most people are not going to have heard of French Connection 2. That's true. Um, it was it was well received, but it has nowhere near the pop culture impact that the first one did. In the way that, for example, The Godfather Part Two matches I agree. the yeah. impact of of the first one. I totally equate it to what we talked about. We did Godfather Part Three. Like it's a good mm. film. Actually, I thought French That's Connection Two is a pretty good comparison. Actually. French Connection I mean, Two is fine. Yeah, it's just it's decent like cop mm. film and stuff. Like, but it's following the French Connection. You've got this incredibly lofty expectation mm. of like. One of the most influential, one best picture, one like multiple Academy Awards for actors and editing and mm. direction and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Like what? It, it's in the um, what's the history Academy Institute thing of oh, impactful of pop Congress culture? Yeah. thank you, yeah, Library of American Congress Film thing, Academy, yeah. American Film Academy, all this stuff. Like one of the most influential, important pieces of cinema in the history of cinema, and all, and also the other film. And it's like, oh, mm. okay. I mean, it's better than like ninety percent of other schlock <laughs> that is chucked out there. In the same it's, way that Godfather Part 3 yeah. is like, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Could be mm. the strongest sequel we have this season, possibly. Oh, there's a lot of shit. So yeah, yeah probably. What, probably. Unless you count like, no, it is, it's better than Star Trek Beyond. I like Star Trek Beyond, but oh, no, I mean, I like, I'm the factoring in the extra. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's comparable in some ways, although it's certainly better than the two Jakes. 100%. There we go. 100%. Good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. 
So the problem with The French Connection, which we'll get back to later, is um, not the story. The story isn't, in essence, the problem, because as we got through just now, The French Connection 1 story on paper isn't that much. Yeah. People might have listened to my synopsis just now and thought, sure, what's all the fuss I've about? seen that a million times. Mm. That sounds like every other cop thing ever. There we yeah. go. Yeah. 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 So, 1975, the French... No, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Matthew, please. Sorry. Please. I'm sorry. For professionals here. Yeah. 1975, French Connection 2. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't understand why the the was dropped. <laughs> oh. but then We had this on something else. What was Rambo the... did a bit of a weird issue. Yeah, and Damien, the Omen, the Omen 2, Damien 2, whatever yeah. the fuck brown way that was. Yeah. Just name things We haven't got sensibly. better at naming sequels, to be fair, in this day. Da- Damien, Damien 2... The omen. First Blood, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> French Connection 2, Damien's Blood. A few years later, after the events of the first film, Popeye Doyle is still searching for Alain Chanier. And it's like, oh, well, that's answered that then. Yeah. That ambiguous ending of like, uh, ambiguous ending of like, oh, what's going to be the situation? This is always the thing with the sequel. You have to quantify certain things. Mm. You have an amazing single tale and it gives you like a, this is what happened next. And then you have a film that sort of has to keep going. So, Effectively contradict. I don't think anyone was going to try and tell this story until it won all those Oscars. Yeah. Mm. I think sequels and prequels, as we've touched on many, many times in this show, do this thing of completely stripping out any ambiguity and like mm. explaining stuff. Prequels are particularly notorious for this of just like, hey, there's that thing in the background. You want to know the backstory of that thing in the background? I mean, I don't know, not really. Yeah. The, the film works fine. It's like, ah, how about you watch the thing in the background for 90 minutes? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. Thanks. But. Mm. We made money, so we're going to make this anyway. And with this one, like we said, the ending of the first one is so ambiguous. It's so interesting, so sudden. I was like, I had no idea that's how this film ended until I watched it literally a few days ago. I was like, it's nice to have that come Holy like, shit, that's a mm. bold ending. Mm. At first, I genuinely wasn't sure how I felt about it. And I was like, I know there's a sequel to this. So how <laughs> does that work? I was like, I'm guessing it's just Popeye off doing something else or like whatever. Yeah. And it's like, Shania's back. I'm like, I mean, I I can see why you've done that, but like for fuck's sake, yeah. I get it. But there, there's so many millions of different directions you could take this in. There are five dirty Harrys. Everyone feels different. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily a good way or a bad way. Just yeah. you could do a different thing. And, and like we said, I think Shania is a great character. I think oh, he's, yeah, a, he's yeah. a fascinating villain. I think he's good in both one and two. But when you but, quantify the mystery of what happened, you rob of what the possibility of you, could be. You rob the a bit of the enigma, right? There's yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, he's off looking for him. Uh, Doyle is then sent to Marseille to track him down. And that's where the film takes this huge shift from, this is now a French film. It's a French mm-hmm. connection. Yeah, precisely. Not the French connection. No, because there's no the, because it's French, I guess. Okay, so, La French Connection. Um, he's paired with uh, Henri Bartolomé, and uh, the two do not get along, because he's the only person who speaks English, it seems, in the department. And uh, Popeye's a massive fucking racist. Yeah. Um, uh, Bernard Fresson fucking fantastic as Henri oh, yeah. mm. love Henri he's yeah. great he's, he, there's the thing. it's that classic example of like listen here mate I know you're a big shit in America I've read your case I've read your file cause of course I'm gonna, I know you're going to stir shit up I know more people have died uh, under your watch than have it's like listen I'm a good cop and he's like um, saying you know more people have died the drugs come out of your city than they have in my, you know, my own hands like yeah but the people you kill were policemen and he goes Ooh, listen here <laughs> <laughs> he's never got a response yeah. from that's actually any good yeah. And his methods, like the like the whole pick your feet and Poughkeepsie trying to stuff, with his, mm. you know, his, his his tactics don't work anymore because yep. he doesn't speak French, and the French do not give a fuck about this American. Yeah, which is beautiful. And also, who has no authority there? No. And the thing about I haven't mentioned, which we'll get to in a little while, 
a lot of this movie, or the first one, I should say, is inspired by the 60s French New Wave stuff of making like, oh my God, you can just take a camera and just film things by hand? Yeah. That's gonna be crazy. So the French, as, a, as people, as a nation, and especially as a cinema, didn't give a shit really about America too much. Yeah. It's like, we're doing our own thing. We don't need your cinema. We have our cinema. So yeah, anyway, same thing with the people. So the two don't get along at all. And uh, <laughs> Popeye then continues to run roughshod and clashes with the French police and citizens because he just doesn't yep. get the language. Bullshit American. People. Yep. And it's like, you better not have a gun here because you don't have a license to carry a gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does. Popeye then bonds with a bartender. And I mention this because it's one of those scenes that gets highlighted so much. <laughs> It's not that important, but everyone talks about it and everyone sort of features it was in all the trailers and things like that. Uh, he's trying to get to know the language and you know he's trying to get flirt oh, with girls. Flirt with girls. Pretty much, yeah. Just, I mean, Hackman always looks like he's in his mid fifties. Yeah. All the time. He is one of those people, isn't he? He's a cranky yeah. fucker. Yeah. Um I mean Hackman in the early two thousands and Hackman in the seventies looks the same. And I'm like, <laughs> how is that possible? That's like thirty odd years. Yeah. He's got that like straw like hair that it's just like you could be 30, you could be 65, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, so in the next day, uh, Shania sees Popeye uh, watching a beach volleyball match as he's just milling about, doesn't know what to yeah. do with himself. Um, it's then revealed that the French police are using Popeye as bait to lure out Shania due to their history. And the reason that uh, Popeye seems to be over there is because he recognises what Shania looks like and things like that, mm. and they're not entirely sure of themselves. Yeah, they Again. don't actually have that many leads on Shania. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. They're... they're, they're, they're not incompetent French policemen, but they know that there's a history between yeah. this American cop. That's why they're mm. allowing it to happen, basically. I think that works. I think it's a clever idea. I and think it's great. Like, he's, yeah. like you said, nobody's useless in this, but the fact that he is such a fish out of water, they're like, well, fuck you. We'll just use you as bait. And Yeah, the trust issue is what's being Yeah, done. absolutely. Yeah. And it's really like and solid, solid building yeah. for that kind of Definitely. relationship and dynamic between him as an American and the French police. Yeah. And so you would think you know where this story is going at this point. You think, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I understand. <laughs> at which point, Popeye is then kidnapped by Shania because they said there's people tailing him all the time. So I mentioned the bar scene earlier. There are people tailing him um, around the place. And it's because the police have got, obviously, uh, an eye on him mm. as he's going about his business in case something happens. Except the tail is killed and Popeye is kidnapped. And you know, go, oh, shit. Mm. Okay, now for some James Bond do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to die. Scenes, mm. and we'll see how this goes because Popeye's, you know, where he is. It, it doesn't, nope, <laughs> doesn't. It goes. It, it goes a really interesting place. So anyway, Shania then forcibly hooks him, as in him being Popeye, on heroin. Yep. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to inject you with all my product. And I was like, what? It's like, yeah, you're going to become a drug addict. It's like, Jesus Christ. And, and so the because Popeye talks about this so much in the first one, like, mm. ah, these fucking scumbags. Like, oh, they always mm. no sympathy, no sympathy for anybody who uses heroin. Mm. It's their own fault. They got themselves into this mess, mm. all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's like this brilliant, I don't know, like perfect torture for this guy it's that a hates this kind of thing. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, to be like, oh yeah, you hate all this shit and you don't respect anybody, and I'm gonna force you to become the thing you hate against yeah. your will. It's mm. such a brilliant idea. It's the it's the classic idea of like, oh no, no, no. it's all about willpower. It's like. You've never been addicted to anything, have you? <laughs> it's it, and I'm not saying that it's because it's like obviously a very different situation. Heroin's a very very dangerous drug, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's like until you've been forced on something, you can never know the impact of how hard it to be to get off that stuff mm. and whatever. Anyway, so he is detained for quite some time. There's a few like vignettes of this old lady, mm. for example, stealing his watch and bits and pieces, and, mm. and the police are trying to find out, you know, what happened to him. Track mm. him down, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's three weeks, isn't it? That he's exactly being yeah. held by Charnier's people. Which for a film 
to just in the middle to slow things down that much is quite a bold move. It kind of fucks the film a little bit because I it agree. just slams the brake on pretty hard yeah. and it brings any kind of plot momentum to a stop. Like Hackman is good in this performance and like yeah. him getting hooked on it and then cleaning uh, spoilers. Oh my god. Uh, cleaning up. Yeah. Um he's good in it, but the problem is is that it brings the film to a screeching halt right in the middle. It becomes a prisoner film rather than a cop film. Yeah. Um, which is not a bad thing, but the problem is by doing that, as you say, Tim, the, the urgency, this cat and mouse, this idea of like, oh my God, is he going to realize he's there? Is he going to find him? Are the police going to be able to put a case together? Can they put the differences aside? And then he's literally just t- literally chained to a bed, strung out of his face on drugs, mm, yep. giving up on all the information he can yeah. because he, he just can't function. And that's cool as a character study, but it robs a lot of agency from the situation. Yeah. Mm. And so if, say, for example, not to, not to preemptively sequelize this, if both he and Cloudy had been there and Cloudy was hunting him down, I know Henri is hunting mm. him down and it's sort of like you had this sort of bond building, mm. but that emotional connection isn't there yet. So there are things that could be done better, but that's the yeah. side. So Shania interrogates Popeye, who admits the only reason he was sent is because he knows what Shania looks like. And then Shania believes him, gives Popeye an intense dose and just literally very boldly and brazenly dumps his body outside the police station. Yeah. So yeah. it's the classic, like, right, that's your fucking problem. He's as good as dead. Yeah. And even if he isn't, he's an addict now. Fuck Yeah. Him. And yeah, brutal, brutal shit. Bartholomew, um helps Popeye get clean with a rigorous rehab process. Again, really good acting. Yep. Bond between the two. Henry's brilliant. Great. Fresson's great. But it's like, oh, Mickey Mantle sucks and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, slow. Because rehab is not a thing you do quickly. Mm. Do you know what the Mickey Mantle reference thing is? As I'm referring to specifically? That yes. Something baseball related. I mean, yes. I know Mickey Mantle is, uh, but I don't know. What they're Eddie Egan was nearly a baseball player. And he oh. tried to be a professional baseball player. Ended up his second calling of becoming a cop because he didn't make it in baseball. Mm. And Mickey Mantle was the guy who basically took his place as the Hence, professional ah, baseball player. Okay. So oh, that makes the, the story so that... Right. It's a reference that Egan apparently told Hackman on the set of the first film, saying like, oh man, fucking Mickey Mantle. He, <laughs> no, he made it and I never could and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, that's apparently a reference to that. It's always very funny when you hear the actual Egan talking. He said, he said this real strong Brooklyn accent. Yeah, he's talking he has, out of yeah. his nose like this. And Gene Hackman's just being Gene Hackman. Gene, Gene, yeah, <laughs> the performance yeah. is there, yeah. but not the accent. I think that works because I'd be, I feel like you I'd could be put off by the accent. Yeah, you, yeah, you could I mean. get a bit too cartoony. And mm. if anyone's like, I know what Gene Hackman sounds like. And granted, this is the 70s, you know, he wasn't as he famous wasn't as, as he was. Yeah, he wasn't as breakout at that point. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. But like, yeah, I'd be like, oh, he's if anyone's doing, like he's doing a New York accent. Oh, I don't know. Is it a situation where that happens? It's like, yeah. Friends, <laughs> they all have like very middle sort of like West Coast accents, yep. except yeah. for Joey. Yeah, because he's Italian, reason. right? Yeah. 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 Like, nah. Anyway, not the point. So after this, because he does get clean, but as we mentioned before, with the pacing, it is a slow process. Lock, literally locked in a cell. You know, trying to keep him. Uh, yeah, the withdrawal stuff is pretty. Yeah, pretty mm. hardcore. Yeah, and the thing is, for a film in the seventies, you might not have seen this kind of stuff. So it could be like the first time you'd seen these kind of films going on, mm. and you got the Vietnam War going at the same time. So people would obviously be becoming morphine addicts as well for certain mm. stuff. So there's all kinds of stuff that this is speaking to a generation of film goer. So hence, the reason I'm bringing this up, by the way, is to give you the hints of why this is going to be such a revered movie. Mm. Why people are saying this is a great fucking sequel. I'm like, yeah, mm. sure, I can see why you in this moment would think this. Mm. Anyway, so after this. Popeye's all clean again, uh, mostly. 
Uh, he then searches Marseille, eventually finding the place he was in prison in, and burns it to the ground. Yeah, because of course he does. Nice and cathartic. I like yeah. that. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Papa then visits a hotel, interrogates Chanier's men, and through this, he learns about a pending opium shipment. It's about like well, where's similar the money? kind of where's process we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Papa and the French police arrive at the shipment uh, as the shipment, sorry, is being unloaded, and a shootout ensues. The dry, so the, shipment, the boat is in a dry dock. Mm. Which if you don't know, is basically. A giant sort of warehouse, effectively, with the control gates and things to keep the water out. Basically, yeah. um, you could do various repairs on the boat, whatever you need to do. Bit a bit like a, a lock uh, on a canal. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Except yeah. you drain all the water out so you can fix the ship. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the reason we're bringing this up is because the dry dock is then flooded. So they open the sluice gates. It's like, oh my god! And yeah. it's you know the new thing. And um, a French inspector is killed, and Popeye is held accountable. But Henri knows that he saved his life, and it's all a big part of it. It's like. A lot of people still don't trust Popeye at all on the police. They blame him for all these things happening, but Henri's like a good ally for him and things like that, etc. So Popeye then convinces Bartolome to keep an eye on the ship, and in doing so, they tail a lieutenant to the drug warehouse. Uh, the police then raid the building. The criminals try to escape with the drugs, but they're caught by Bartolome, who sort of basically slams the garage door shut, sort of thing, yep, and keeps them yep. locked in. And Chanier sails off on a yacht, but is chased by Popeye, who calls his name. Now, I've been to Marseille, and there is a thing with the the sort of the whole Port Harbour thing kind of has a little bit of a mouth, for mm. a better word. Mm. And so he um, frantically runs around because yeah. he can't get to the boat itself from the pier. So like, well, if I go around this whole bit, which is the old Roman part of the port, if I get there, I might have a moment, just a, just a, just a moment. Mm. And in that moment, um, where Shania literally comes up from the, uh, under the ship and is like, ah, I have got away. What Home the- free <laughs> at Home last. Free, yeah, yeah. Popeye calls out his name. Turns around, bang, bang, just pops him, yeah. shoots him dead. Um, despite the fact that, you know, he, again, he's not allowed a gun in France and probably getting arrested for having mm. that in the first place. And the film ends. Yep. Yeah, pretty suddenly. It's yeah. just like, bang, whoop, you're done. And yeah. you think to yourself, oh, like the first film. It's like, no, yeah. not like yeah, the first that's film. Ex- that's exactly what I thought. Like I said, the, the ending of the first one was so abrupt, it caught me off guard. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And mm-hmm. the more I thought about it, the more I thought, like, actually, no, that is a really bold choice and stuff like that. And it feels like the ending of the second one is like, well, the first one ended suddenly with a gunshot. SN send suddenly with a gunshot. Like, right, but like this is you handled this very differently. I feel you have more story to tell at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I totally like I said, I, I think French Connection Two is actually pretty decent for, for all intents and purposes. It's a three out of five? Exactly, exactly. And there's some good motivation there for Popeye, you know, being kind of going off the rails, being driven by revenge and all that kind of stuff, ignoring the fact that Charnier and that ambiguity is a cool ending. As soon as we have Charnier in there, it makes sense that Popeye would be the one that would be like, he's the one that got away, there's a loose end, I need to tie it up. He's such a, like, driven cop in that way and not in a good way. Yes. Uh, yes. For that kind of stuff. The heroin thing, I think, is a really cool idea, having, Pop, like I said, Popeye become the thing he hates and all that kind of thing. That yeah, works. Yeah. But there's just little bits. As much as I like Fresson's performances on Re, I think you're totally right, Matt. Having something that would make more like emotionally connecting towards Popeye and have having he's such a fish out of water. The fact that uh, Henri is just like, oh yeah, I'll get you clean through rehab and stuff. Like you don't know this guy. Like he's not been a good dude like at all. Really, I feel the idea is supposed to be that Henri is a better cop. And yes, he feels oh, bad yeah, that yeah, someone yeah. has been failed by because his plan fell through. Mm. Whereas if Popeye had the exact same experience in New York, he'd say, ah, well, you know, shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have had a, as much sympathy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I also feel that, and this is the key part here, 
I don't think Popeye learns fuck all. Nope. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing because when you got based on a real person, a real mm. experience, I mean, this film, uh, t- to my knowledge, French Connection is pure fantasy. French Connection 2, that is. Yes. Yes, French yeah. Connection 2, that is, yes. That is yes. fiction, one of, yes. Almost one of the problems it faces yes. is that the first one is based on a real case, real people, and then because and a, it, bo- and a book based on that, which yeah. gives you so much of that structure, right? Yes. And then because it wants to continue with those characters, the real vegan went on to write a book and become involved in Hollywood and become a consultant he, on a he, load he's of He's an actor in the first yeah. film. Yeah. So by like, the time you catch up, he would be, you make it a film about him making the film of the first film? Yeah. Like, oh, God. It's like, <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. So we're going to come up with the more fictional adventures yeah. for this Popeye character, which, yeah, is takes away from some of the, the the realism. It also, the fact that they take him out of New York means you don't get the, you get less of the nuts and bolts of police work in it. Yeah, he's very bumbling because of it. It like, was the phrase he says, mm. like, uh, I'd rather be a lamppost in New York than a president of France. But yeah, listen, yeah. I'm here to get Chagny. And it's like, how? Yeah. I, yeah. I get the, this is the This is the beautiful frustration. And I know it's part of the story that I do think that works well with the whole, like, he's being used as bait. He doesn't speak the language. No. He doesn't know anybody. He can't interrogate anyone. Yeah. All of his methods got don't no, work. Got no, uh, you know, police inform, sort of criminal informants. No spare, connections. No, conne- no French connections. Oh. Um, but the thing is that that's, people forget, that's like the backbone of actual police work is knowing your fucking block. Yeah. It's knowing <laughs> the people, knowing the streets, knowing where people run to, what's going to happen. Mm. It's like, I haven't seen this paper. And obviously not in a complete corrupt fucking awful way, but it's the whole like, ah, I know how I can deal with this situation. Yeah. Rather than like, plop that person in a different location, we'll solve the crime. Like, no, you won't. Yeah. But then also the film actively acknowledges that he was never supposed to, kind of. So it's... But it it means you don't have that, you have less of that energy. You get to see a bit of the French police work, but not nearly as much as you do as in the original film. Correct, yeah. I think you, what you touched on earlier, Tim, is a big problem with French Connection 2. It's the two Jakes thing. Mm. Everybody fucking loves Jake. So, you know, he's like Chinatown, again, Library of Congress, huge, incredible film, one of the greatest films ever made, most influential, blah, 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 blah. Ambiguous ending. Ambiguous ending, exactly. Mm. Like, not great cop who slaps <laughs> a woman about and is a terrible dude and all this kind of stuff. Jake has a lot of similarities with Popeye in that sense. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, but everybody loves loves Jake. Let's let's bring him back for the second one. Yeah. See more adventures of good old Jake. And it's like, let's see more adventures of good old Popeye. It's like, I mean, yeah, I guess. Like I, I again, like I said, I think Hackman's performance in the second one is still fantastic. Mm. And it makes he won an Oscar for the first one, makes sense that they want to put him Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it really does feel like a just a bit of a cash in and, and granted like i said i enjoy the film i think it's decent but it it does not have that grit and that tie to the real world and the the grounding of the first one because they know new york the way it's shot we talked earlier about the like documentarian style of the first one so much of that cool interesting groundbreaking shit that happened four years earlier is not present in that second film mm. and it's like yeah, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it's good. Like, yeah, it looks good. But like, the first one looked spectacular and better than basically anything mm. else. Like, it's this thing. I I think two Jakes to Chinatown is a perfect example. Godfather three to Godfather one and two is a perfect example. Going from all time fucking great to yeah, it's pretty decent. Just isn't good enough for this kind of thing. Mm. You really need to kind of 
find a fucking reason to do this or don't do it at all. And I don't think there is enough in the second film to justify everything that happens, ignoring all the ambiguity and stuff like, don't do that. Play with that. Expand upon Maybe Shania is like this shadowy character in the background or something. Like, maybe he is alive. Maybe he's dead. We don't know. That that would be a cool thing to play with. Instead, it's just like, yeah, he's just on screen. He's there. Like, oh, oh, okay, okay. He's literally in a cafe. What's, goes, oh. what's the gunshot at the end of the first one? <laughs> Duh, it doesn't matter. Carry on. Like, did Popeye shoot someone else or something? Like, what? Any? Are we? Uh, no, okay. We're just moving on. Adventures in France. Like, <laughs> okay, fine. And I feel like if it wasn't French Connection 2, it was just some other cop in France, it would kind of work. I think it would lose a lot of the nuance and stuff with Popeye's relationship with heroin and that mm. kind of thing. But yeah, it, the fact that it's following up that bizarre, bold ending of the first film, it just doesn't quite pull it off in the same way for me. Mm. We should say, director of the sequel, mm. it's diff- not William Friedkin. Yes. No. It's John Frankenheimer. Still a good goddamn director. Who's a yep. good, good director. Yeah. Has had a mixed career, but has That's directed the true. hell out of several films. Mm. Um, Ronan comes to mind specifically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you want to... Fucking love Ronan. Yeah. yeah. Great char- car chase in that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the original Manchurian Candidate in the yeah. 60s yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Um, also, it, the French Connection 2 was shot by Claude Renoir, as in oh. grandson of the painter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who was a DOP for a lot of French films, including Barbarella. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's people who know their shit and they're competent in their craft. And yeah. and none of it is, it's not poorly directed. It's not poorly it's not, shot. No. Like, it's all competent. But like you say, it doesn't quite have that revolutionary mm, feeling. That extra that little... Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. There we go. Je ne sais quoi. Yeah. And I think you're you're totally right about that, having, like, bringing on Frankenheimer, who's a fantastic director. He just didn't do what, what they did in the first film. There so here's just, a th- uh, it feels like a fairly normal film for want of a better phrase. Yeah, I'm really, I've always been really torn by French Connection too. So I've been kind of looking forward to getting to it at some point because I don't know in a sequelizer's mindset mm. how I'd fix it per se. Same because yeah. either you, because just because of how the first film ends, it's it's such a difficult task. For whomever has to fix it, Tim. Um, After that poor, unfortunate soul. Yeah. Whichever Tim has to sorry, do it. My sorry, God. Tim. Um, but basically, it's, it's because, maybe a little bit like with, the, with Basic Instinct, it's like, where do you go from here? Um, because the characters are kind of in this very loose, ambiguous place. Anything you do quantifies things. I, I equate it to me doing two Jakes. Uh, two Jakes is a I know we're, we're yeah, perfect, keep perfect, pulling perfect, to yes. Chinatown and two Jakes, but no, it's very, the it's parallels perfect. are there for a reason, right? Yeah. And me, me sequelizing that, I was like, oh, fucking hell. I, mm. I can see it being a story of, like, he says, he literally says he's reassigned. Okay, and that obviously, mm. that could be like a different case, yeah. different assignment, different mm. partner, who knows? If he's like saying, oh, I'm not going to deal with the cartels in Mexico, I don't think in the 70s have been as many sort of things, but you got, you know, things coming in from like Bolivia, et cetera. But yeah. Yeah. the point is, he's either a fish out of water. That's not a bad storyline that could work really well but then you think about also as well the subtle little touches so for example when he's undercover in his car he slings a straw hat in the back seat mm. and that's supposed to be a bit of a weird reference to uh butch cassidy and sundance Kid yes because of uh, and the force yeah and mole rats yeah because um, <laughs> b- both of them have a character with a straw hat called LaForce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who is this, you know, uber fucking relentless cop. And it's the signal in at least the French connection. The other cops in New York, it's like, 
yeah, I may be speeding, I may be doing things wrong, mm. but I'm undercover. Yeah, I'm a cop who's I'm undercover. A cop. Yeah, and I'm on the fucking case. Lead me to it. And I get, I don't dislike the someone who knows their city inside out being taken outside of that and being sort of exposed elements and really shown how much they kind of don't know anything or how their their methods mm. don't work. They have to change things up. It's like, oh, we're going to show Batman in Coast City. It's like, oh, oh, I'd like Batman to be in Gotham. I'm mm. a little, I don't know if I want to see him outside of that. And also, yeah. it doesn't feel like the film is actually that much about that. No. It yeah. feels like it touches on it, but it's more interested in other things and at the end of the day he still he gets he still gets charnier yes you know yes it's not that you're out of your element and as a result things don't go your way it's you're out of your element and yeah you go through some fucking turmoil in this film but at the end of the day you catch the guy who has been eluding you for so long yeah it's a it's such a weird one because again as i say T- tim could literally say in the second half of this show I've done the exact same thing. I've gone to France. I'd be like, yep, makes sense. Or mm-hmm. he could say, yep. yep, it's set in New York. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I think both work so perfectly because the ending's so fucking weird. It's the execution of it. And even then, on Take paper... Take it to the moon, Tim. The fucking moon. The lunar connection. <laughs> <laughs> Moonfall. Uh, <gasps> hollow moon. Um, it's a space station all along. Full of drugs. Something like that. Because um, it is... It, on paper, the plot, as I've said before isn't the thing that makes the French connection. It's the way it feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Which is a really hard thing to quantify for our pitches. <laughs> but you touched on earlier there, Tim. In the way that New York is such an integral part of the first movie, mm. it feels like this city is living and breathing because it literally is. Mm. They are shooting on real streets with real people mm. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Even not knowing that, you get that thing. It looks like bombed out Europe at times as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking horrifying. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's something like I equate to something like what Baltimore is in The Wire yeah, and yeah, going yeah, yeah. through how lived in those streets, how believable all those characters are mm. and even seeing from whether that's from the police bars to the projects and all that kind of stuff, it feels so believable and Marseille is just kind of there in the background of the second movie. You're like, cool, okay. I mean, I, I've never been to Marseille. I guess that's what it looks like. There's no like... It's big, pretty hilly. Big definitive thing that says mm. like, this is Marseille and this is why this film is set in Marseille apart from it being this big drug hub thing that we touched on. Like, mm. That's why it's in Marseille. Marseille like... has three things. It has all those goddamn hills. No, four <laughs> things. Four things. One, all, except, oh, actually, I actually love Marseille. Um, all the hills, because it, it's built in, it's almost like it, 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 into this sink of this ravine yeah. of the, mm. the harbour. Thing number two, there's a cathedral on top of the hill. That's very cool. Three is um, the fact that you do have the harbour, the Chateau d'If, all that sort of stuff. There's mm. little prison island basically like mm. a mini alcatraz basically mm. and the other thing is a fuck ton of cats yeah <laughs> um that's it yeah that's marseille yeah marseille mm. just doesn't feel as much of a character that new york does in the first mm. one to me which again and i wonder it, if it's americans filming rather well, than well i, I yeah, believe possibly. john frankenheimer had lived in france for a while interesting so had a bit of that perspective that but, sense, yeah. but also marseille is not as well documented city as new york no and shit. so knowing that's true it's harder to tell if it's an accurate portrayal of it well, i said i've never yeah. been to marseille i've never been to new york but i kind of know what new york looks yeah. like because i've seen it a million times yeah we, yeah how many films can we even name that have marseille in it let alone i mean obviously i'm not me excluding me yeah but not you matthew i think born jason Bourne goes there at one point maybe yeah, mm, yeah. Not marseille, he, he? i think he does yeah oh really yeah okay or well, near go. marseille maybe yeah anyway anyway um one thing I did want to bring up, because also I mentioned it in the uh, in the bonus 
content. Ooh. So it would oh, be yes, remiss yes. of us to not talk for, yeah. about it here, is to talk about the police on film and how that has evolved. Mm, because yeah. Yeah. we've talked about The Wire and made mention of it and how the the French Connection really feels like it's in tune with that kind of look at the police and a very realistic, you know, stripped stripped bare, accurate look at the police. Sure. And the the history of how the police have been portrayed on film is kind of fascinating. We won't go into it a huge amount here. There's articles out there that are really worth... There's a really good one on Vox about how right. it has evolved. But essentially, in the early days of cinema, 2010... Uh, 2010s? 1910s, <laughs> 1920s, police were just portrayed as these bumbling fools. Yeah. Keystone and that Cops. was yeah. the Keystone Cops. And that was very much in line with the public vision of them. There was a report, I believe, in the New York Times back in like 1890 mm. that said that the police had uh, embezzled something like $10 million wow. back in that time yeah. of like, or stolen that from like public funds and from like, you know, arresting people. That's and stuff hundreds like that. of millions of dollars yeah. equivalent today. Yeah. yeah. And the police were very much just seen as, oh, they're basically another gang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's it's the line from The Departed. When you're at the end of a gun, which difference does it make? Which yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very gangs of New York. It's like, mm. well, you have these gangs, these gangs, and the police. Police, yeah. And the difference is they have a little uniform. Mm. And some of the gangs have uniforms. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was that stayed quite similar for a while. The Hayes Code had an impact on that because it was That's very true. much now crime has to be punished, and so the bad guy always has to die. The, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. The real thing that changed it dramatically was Dragnet. Oh, okay. in, I thought you were going to say Police Academy there. Too. No. Uh, in 1961, Dragnet came on TV and was very much marketed at the start of the episodes. They would say, these are the real stories of police officers. Mm. And they were. Right. And each, they worked with LAPD consultants and, uh, you know, got accurate portrayals of a lot of stuff that was in police life. But in order to do that, the LAPD had approval on all the scripts. Yeah. And right. so yeah, you yeah. had, I think it's Friday is the lead cop in Dragnet. I yeah. can't remember. Um, very much like the archetypical good cop. Dragnet was an incredibly popular show and portrayed the police as these stalwart defenders of law and order. Yeah. And that filtered down through American TV and film over time. You literally have a show called Law and Order. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and increasingly there was this connection between people who were making tv shows and getting these police consultants on which obviously they did for the french connection as well um and that close tie between them has like echoed down through the ages basically um mm. and you get kind of interesting evolutions in that a lot of it's from tv because there's so much cop stuff because it's so easy to do procedural cop dramas um which again is an evolution of also the history as well because in yeah. the 30s you'd have like the fact it was cops and robbers in the form of prohibition yeah so you had like these are the bad guys they're the gangsters yeah and, the, and these are the good guys they're trying to stop the booze mm. i like the booze well you know yeah we're all on the take it's like that <laughs> yeah that, that yeah and then mm. after world war ii as you say the 50s it's a weird transitionary period and then 60s is down to no yeah these are good people. And what's fascinating to me is the French connection is a very similar experience where we just mentioned about how many police are involved with this thing. It's not just that they have like a, a sign off on the script because I don't think Freakin's that kind of director, but he wanted to get it right. He was trying to get for a certain feel and tone mm. and authenticity. Yeah. 
And what's amazing now, looking back with a contemporary lens, is how brazenly happy the police are to be portrayed like this. Like, yeah, we're great. We beat up all the criminals. <laughs> yeah. We 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 hoodwink. We're them. heroes. Yeah. yeah. We we're beat openly them up in racist. Yeah, like... racist. Yeah. I'm not gonna say the line, but it's the whole like, how did you know? I was like, never trust. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so your method, your method is racial profiling then. Yeah. And you beat people up and you use these scare tactics to basically intimidate people mm. to get them so out of their mind that, that they're, they're, they're say things. probably giving false confessions. Precisely. And, yeah. yeah. But you're really proud of that. And so you want to be shown on, on screen because yeah. you've got this big drugs bust and you were very clever to weigh a car. Mm. Therefore, <laughs> I'm a mastermind. Whereas now it'd be an incriminating thing. Like, we're so clever. I want it to be so accurate. Exactly the experience. Yeah. Like, you guys are the fucking worst yeah you just got lucky no no and then that's what you see in the second film hints of it with the whole uh your american reputation precedes mm. you and uh i see that you have a case file here you mean my case file on the john why am i toilet some sort of joke <laughs> and he's like i have noticed that uh a lot of people die for 14 years <laughs> that's not a good thing that no. you killed that many people yeah a lot of good people have to die it's like, they're cops who've died mm. yeah well Listen here, and it's, it's always Can you <laughs> kill an FBI agent? Like it was a lot of chaos. Yeah, there's like no need to explain yourself because listen, I was doing a job. Yeah, and they're proud of that. It's yeah. so weird to see it now. Thinking, yeah, this would be an indictment in any other time. Mm. Like you know, and and it's fascinating that the thing that we hold up now as the like this is the uber example of how things really are, which is the wire was driven so much by David Simon being a reporter in Baltimore. Yes. And therefore he's he's someone who is equally embedded with what is going on in, in terms of like crime and the community and on the streets and stuff. But is he is external to the police and therefore has a different perspective on it. Yes. And as much as he is aware of their procedures and all that stuff, and I'm sure that there was police consultants on the on the wire to make sure stuff was done right. Of course the perspective that he is bringing is distinctly different from that and therefore more empathetic towards the people who are involved in it and less interested in p portraying everyone as just, well, oh, the cops are these great guys who are there to help all the normal citizens yeah. apart from these degenerate criminals. Yeah. And then, of course, that feeds in classically, as we said always, to Britain, to Europe, to Asia, yeah. to every other culture who are like, let's end up with like fucking hard-boiled in, mm. uh, you know, with, with the John Woo film. Oh, and yeah. you end up with Police Story with Jackie Chan. Yeah. And you're with like, like fucking Takeshi Kitano films where he's like, I'm a cop with a gun. That's all you need to know. Dirty Harry came out at the same time. He's like, again, things that they're proud of. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the main st early stories of one of the early Dirty Harry films is like these cops going around just randomly killing people. Like they're the bad guys with a giant magnum sort of thing. But Dirty Harry's the good guy with a gun. It's all that kind of mentality. Yeah. Like, Bullshit. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a yeah, gun. Exactly. Um, so yeah, French Connection, as I say, it, it, it's a it's a strange one because you're right that it it's it's not adhering to the understanding of how police were being presented around the time that they're mm. perfect, infallible heroes. But in the way that it was quite honest with its portrayal, it becomes a damnation. Mm. It's like. Oh yeah, you were a dick. No, 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 no. I was a he. I mean, mm. again, in, in Gene Hackman's Oscar acceptance speech, he thanks Egan for being a yeah. good cop and stuff. And like, yep, he's not a good cop. He's a piece yeah. of shit. <laughs> and you can see how influential it would be in in the formation of the idea of like the renegade cop as well, because it's yeah. you know, yeah. oh, he doesn't play by the rules, but he gets the job done. And it's yeah. you know, that was practically invented for for, for uh, descriptor for, for Popeye, so. Do Popeye Doyle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think. 
it, if you haven't seen The French Connection, it's on Disney Plus. Go watch it. It's great. Here Br- in the UK. British here in the yeah, UK. Yeah. yeah. Hulu in America, probably. Probably. But uh, yeah, no, it, it has aged well. Yeah. French Connection 2 is fine. It's you fine. Watch if you want. Yeah. Yeah. You won't get much out of it. This week, we are sponsored by our friends at audible.com, the most amazing service on the internet when it comes to audiobooks and other audio content. You can stream podcasts there. You can stream audiobooks there. You can stream guided meditation and fitness. There you, is a, you can stream us as part of those podcasts as well. We're a podcast. We are. We're on there. You can find sequelizers on there. Maybe you're, you want all of your audio needs in one place. Audible's a great place to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to recommend a book when we recommend Audible. This week, we're recommending, because we're talking about drugs, Narconomics, How to Run a Drug Cartel by Tom Wainwright, uh, which is narrated by Brian Hutchinson on Audible. How does a budding cartel boss succeed and survive in the $300 billion illegal drug business? By learning from the best, of course. From creating brand value to fine-tuning customer service, the folks running cartels have been attentive students of the strategy and tactics used by corporations such as Walmart, McDonald's, and Coca-Cola. Picking his way through Andean cocaine fields, Central American prisons, Colorado pot shops, and the online drug dens of the dark web, Tom Wainwright provides a fresh, innovative look at the drug trade and its 250 million customers. Uh, the cast of characters includes Bin Laden, the Bolivian uh, coca guide, Old Lynn, the Salvadoran gang leader, Starboy, the millionaire New Zealand pillmaker, and a cosy Mexican grandmother who cooks blueberry pa- pancakes while plotting murder. Nice. <laughs> Along with presidents, cops, and teenage hitmen, they explain such matters as the business purpose of head-to-toe tattoos, how gangs decide whether to compete or collude, and why cartels care a surprising amount about corporate social responsibility. (laughs) More than just an investigation of how drug cartels do business, Narconomics is also a blueprint for how to defeat them. Maybe Popeye Doyle should listen to it Mm. on Audible. Should have listened to that back. I don't think Audible's a thing in the 70s, unfortunately. Probably not. Anyway, if that sounds like it interests you, or if you'd like any other free book on Audible, you can sign up for a free month on Audible and get a free book all on us. Just go to audibletrial.com slash sequel and uh, receive a free month of Audible and a free book that you can keep even if you decide to end your trial. But you shouldn't. Stick with Audible. Listen to a wealth of content through them and uh, have fun. I'm on Rotten Tomatoes duty as well as film fixing duty, as is the pattern for this season. Indeed. People will discover... Get used to that, listeners, by the way. <laughs> for the pitcher is also the ad reader and the catcher. And the catcher <laughs> and the batsman. Tim has to throw the ball, catch the ball, and or hit the ball. <laughs> yeah. It's a juggling fest. We're doing the pitches. We're doing the research. We're not doing our own synopses, thankfully, but we're doing pretty much everything else single handedly yeah. this season. It just so. lined up that way. It was yeah. very curious. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how it turns out sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we've got two films. And a Trixie Tim third one in oh, there. Oh, the Tim Dark Horse oh, special. Oh my God, the French Dispatch is what my guess is. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad, Sean. We shall see. Mm. So let's start with 1971's The French Connection. Jack. Gotta be high. It's gotta be real, <laughs> real drugs. fucking high on drugs, to quote <laughs> Bill Hicks. Um, <laughs> 97, please, Tim. Okay. Matthew. 
You're the balls, Matthew. Got the fucking cojones, as they say in Marseille. <laughs> to do what? Go higher than 97. Oh, no, 95. Okay. Okay. <laughs> On to French Connection 2. Matthew, uh, we'll come to you first this time. I, I, I think it's one of those situations where it's going to be quite revered um, and respected as a piece. That's exactly where my mind is at as but well. But even if it's like, eh, it's a three out of five, eh, it's a four out of five, that's still a pass on Rotten Tomatoes. Bear in mind, yeah, this is Rotten Tomatoes. If this is your first time mm. listening to the show and you're not familiar with the tomatometer formula, this is the percentage of positive reviews, and a positive review is anything that is a three out of five or higher. Mm-hmm. Or the equivalent of that, a 60%. Or a yeah, six yeah, yeah. out of ten, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is a positive review. So this is not ninety. I didn't say ninety-seven out of a hundred in terms of aggregate scores. Mm-hmm. Percentage of positive reviews, mm-hmm. and that is where we get tripped up sometimes because it's such <laughs> yes. a tricky thing. Could yeah. be a universally six out of ten movie, and everybody's like, "Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent," or one of the yeah. greatest films ever made. Hundred percent. Like, there's yeah, no, there's yeah. no differentiator. Yeah. Um, so I'm going down like 15% to mm. 80. Let's say 85. I was thinking around there as well, Matthew. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be that much of a drop. And people are going to be like, oh, I, it's not as I gritty. totally, I totally agree with you. That's exactly mm. where my mind was at. I will drop 10%. I'll go eight, 97 on 87, please, Tim. Okay. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> obviously. 96 and 86 and we're both fucked. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, uh, there's a third one. There's a third one. Uh-oh. Because obviously the French Connection has an official sequel. It also has an unofficial oh, sequel. Oh, what? Oh, no. In 1973, huh. Roy Scheider made a film called The Seven Ups. Oh. In which he stars oh, as a cop shit. called yeah. Buddy. Fucking hell. It oh. also had screenwriter and police technical advisor Sonny Grosso, who worked on The French Connection. Yeah. Composer Don Ellis, who worked on The French Connection. And stunt coordinator Bill Hickman, who worked on The French Connection and was distributed by 20th Century Fox, who distributed The French Connection. So it's a spin-off. So so those of you who don't know Sonny Grosso there is the guy that he is based on. Yes. The equivalent of Eddie Egan in their dynamic there. The other partner in... Yeah. Well, fuck it. So it's a spin-off, I guess? Sequel? Unofficially. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody mm. hell. I didn't I'd heard of that movie because I like Roy Schneider, but yeah, yeah, yeah. never mm. occurred to me that it was the same. Yeah. Huh. So Jack. I've no fucking idea, Tim. Just found out this movie exists <laughs> in that context. We're gonna play right the game. Now. We're gonna play the game here. How many fucking reviews are there gonna be for this film? That's the real question. That'll be the yeah. thing to decide. Yeah. The fact that I've heard of it, but knew precisely zero about it, would suggest some but not many reviews. Tim has thrown in a not enough reviews to be counted curveball once before. That's true. So you never know what you're going to get with a Dark Horse pick from Mr. Matum. I'm going to go... Oscar. Usually that. Heroin. I'm going to go 75. Just pulled that out of my ass. I have no idea. Okay. Matt. Dogs. What's the plan? Uh, 65. A lot less meandering and umming and ahhing than I did. But no, I, just, yeah, I, had, I, had, I had time at the same time to think about it, basically, was yep. you did. Okay. Not a clean sweep this week. Oh, okay. Shit. Clear winner? There's a winner. Okay, good. Good, good, good. French Connection. Mm. You both went pretty high. Jack, you went 97. Matt, 95. Did we go too high? Jack was dead on. Oh, 97% come on. God on damn. Yes, please. With an audience score of 87%. Interesting. Okay, okay. I'd imagine that's people watching it nowadays and not realizing 
why it is special. Yes. The significance of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. French Connection 2. Mm-hmm. Again, very close together. Mm-hmm. Matt went 85. Jack went 87. Mm. 84% oh, on Rotten oh, shit. Fuck. With an audience score of 62. Really? Considerable drop I mean, yeah. 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 It's such a... It, I think it's definitely on that three out of five. Yeah, definitely. I would yeah. give this a quote-unquote positive review in, in Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, all things considered, scores. yeah. yeah. Mm. So, it would have been an unsatisfying draw if we'd have just done that. a very two. abrupt ending. Yeah. Some might, an ambiguous <laughs> ending, some might yeah. say. Jack shoots Matt, and then the film ends. Yeah. Uh, You're definitely shiny out of the two of us. That's your <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You're the Bond villain of the yeah. two of us. You're the racist cop. I'm the loose cop <laughs> doing all the drugs. Um, The seven ups. Jack, you said 75. Matt, you said 65. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes score, 80%. Oh, holy shit. With an audience score of 69%. Yeah, nice. nice. Mm. Interesting. I'll so, have to go and check out 7-Ups then. Interesting. interesting Worse yeah. received by critics than French Connection 2, but I mean, better received by the audience. Interesting. Yeah, that, that is, is based curious. on 10 reviews. Yeah, that doesn't so surprise me. Not a lot. That doesn't surprise me. But still... I like me some Roy Shiner. I might go out of my way to try and find Mm. that. I'm intrigued. I imagine the words, good luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not going to find that on fucking Disney Plus. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, French Connection 2 has 37 reviews. Okay. Yeah. That is not a lot. It's a 70s movie. That kind of makes sense. Like I said, I think that's one of those a lot of people don't know it exists kind of thing. Despite the fact a lot of people return for it, it does feel like one of those. Also, There's though, the French Connection. Oh, it also has a sequel. Interestingly, yeah. the French Connection only has 87. Mm. See, I think a lot of people are archiving their old reviews. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Is that it, it's, yeah, it relies RT only a lot goes on, back so far, I suppose. Yeah, newspaper records and yeah. stuff like that. From that we, we've encountered that a few times before. I believe the date they go back to is the 1st of January 1990 or something like that. Is there Sounds all right. pre-any-time-before-that-date kind of thing I for mean, their reviews? I still 30-odd years ago. Oh yeah, it's yeah, still a long yeah. time, but it's also but there's not many people out there reviewing French Connection in 1992. Precisely, yeah, precisely. Exactly. So onto my fix. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, we do. do that on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, fix French Connection too. Mm, I am stick the the back in for God's sake. I have stopped. Hey, the... Shove that the right in the front there, Tim. La French uh, Connection. I did kind of. You didn't go like Le Francais Connection or something? No, like I no. was wondering about switching it up and having it be the French something. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I couldn't settle on a good word that I enjoyed. Um, I did that with my Bourne thing as well. You can just pick any old fucking yeah, word. Yeah. The, um, the French indemnity. Like, yeah. I don't fucking know. The French liaison. Yeah. The French legacy. The French yeah. lieutenant's woman. No. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm open to other titles. Cool. But I have definitively. We'll, we'll added see how it plays out, and maybe we'll we'll settle on a. Yeah, I guess without being weird or flippant, I guess it kind of depends on what year you're releasing this. Because if it's the seventies, numbers are in. Mm. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. I'm releasing it in 1975. Ah, there you go. The French Connection is French Connection two is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My director mm. is John Frankenheimer. Huh. again, I can't fault you. Yeah, he's a good director. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any reason you didn't go freaking again? I have curiosity. Um. I think he's just moved on to other stuff. He's That's doing, fair. He's, That's doing fair. The he's done Exorcist the Exorist by that point because like the Exorcist that. is 1973, so it's mm-hmm. bang in the middle of those two films, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't strike me as a person who like wants to retread the same stuff. Re- wants to retread yeah. the same stuff. 
Um, That's but fair. yeah, Frankenheimer has a great. He's done Birdman of Alcatraz. He's done the Manchurian Candidate. He's done the Iceman Cometh. Yeah. Obviously, goes on to do a bunch of other great stuff. Ronin, yeah. Year of the Gun, stuff like that. Again, capable director, and he directs the current French connection to perfectly fine. Yeah. We have evidence of it being pretty good. Mm-hmm. Just a bit of a tidy up, and it would work. So yeah. Yeah. Mm. Returning cast as Jimmy Popeye Doyle, Gene Hackman. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. As Buddy Cloudy Russo. Hey, Cloudy's back. Roy Scheider. Okay, okay. And as Lou Boca, Benny Marino. We didn't mention uh, Lou at all. Lou's back. He's a very minor role. Yeah. Mm. The Benny Marino was in that film and one other, Mm. and it was because he's friends with someone that was involved in it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Ah, yeah. Welcome to Hollywood. Hmm. New cast as Detective Billy McMillan, Mm -hmm. Sam Waterston. Ah. I know you like a bit of Waterston. I do like Waterston. I think I've cast him in something else. I, I think you what. have as well, yeah. <laughs> um, has kind of just broken out uh, with The Great Gatsby at this point. Uh, right, yeah, got yeah. a, I believe, a supporting uh, actor Academy Award nominee. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Um, this is the Robert Redford one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Redford one in the 70s. Goes on to do Capricorn One, The Killing Fields, Nixon, and obviously Law and Order. Yeah. For Law and Order and where I know him from. Donkey's yep, yep. Years. Uh, as Detective Frank Buster Beaumont. Oh, <laughs> nice. You got the yeah. You got the detective nicknames. Mm-hmm. Stacy Keach. Oh shit! Oh, yeah. nice. Right. Uh, yeah, he's done The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter, um, uh, Doc, The Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean. At this point, goes on to be Mike Hammer on Mike TV Hammer, yes, yes. as a kind of definitive TV cop. Yeah, and then be in American History X, and of course, Escape from L.A. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, we covered that on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. You haven't no, already heard that, much. listeners. Yeah, good show, good show. A previous mm-hmm. Tim pitch, in fact. Yeah. Yes. Uh, as Captain Andrew Vincent, Anthony Perkins. Oh mm. shit! People forget that Perkins did more than one film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, Psycho. Yeah. Uh, more current to this, he'd done Catch Twenty Two, and he'd just been in the life. Uh, he'd all was also in the life and times of Judge Roy Bean mm-hmm. with Stacey Keach. Yeah. Uh, and had just been in Murder on the Orient Express mm-hmm. around this time. Really, really um, good actor, actually, mm. Perkins. Yeah, and then goes on a few years later to do the black hole that Disney uh, <laughs> miscalculation was yeah. knockoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then mostly does TV stuff from that and a bunch of bad Psycho sequels. Yes, which we'll it get to eventually. Narrow it down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're on the list. They're all on the list. Yep. Uh, as Renzo, John Cazale. Now, getting a, getting a bit of Godfather in here, Tim. John Cazale, the man who has, and this is obviously from hideously unfortunate circumstances, mm. a frankly perfect career, yeah. yeah. Other than he died, um, because every film he starred in was one of the best films ever made, yep. yeah. And his role in it was really fucking good. Yeah, yeah. he's one of those tragically taken too soon, mm. amazing motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we talked about. I can't remember whether it was on we an episode or not. Him, yeah. We talked yeah. about him at yeah at one point. We, we talked about the perfect like, career of like actors or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. like half a dozen movies, and they're all some of the best movies ever made. Yeah, The Godfather being the big yeah. kind of like yeah. centerpiece here in the seventies, right? Yeah, he plays, so he plays Fredo for he's been in yes, The Godfather sorry, Fredo, as Fredo yeah. in the conversation with Gene Hackman. Yep. The Godfather Part Two, obviously. Yep. And then after this would be in Dog Day Afternoon mm. and The Deer Hunter. And then dies. Yeah, young. I know I mean, we t- just... we talk about the Godfather a lot. We talk about like we talk about the French Connection, like one of the best yeah. ones I made. 
Go and watch the fucking Deer Hunter, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't already watched the I mean, Deer Hunter, be, be in the right mood for you it. You need maybe. to be in the right yeah. mood for it, don't get me wrong, but it is a fucking masterpiece, yeah. that film. I mean, it's like a lot of unknowns in it at the time. Yeah. Christopher Walken, Robert yeah. De Niro, <laughs> De Niro Meryl yeah, Streep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Oh, Deer Hunter's so good. One of my dad's favorite movies. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, it's a dad film. It's a beautifully tragic mm. movie. Uh, and then finally, as Frog Alpha. Sorry, Frog Alpha. Yes. <laughs> Uh, hold like, on, hold on, hold on. As in, did, did we just get into fucking Star Fox? <laughs> well, uh, for Maybe. most of the film, uh, Charnier is not Charnier; he's Frog One. This oh, is sure, yeah. So yeah, this yeah. is yeah. this is how I'm referring to this character oh, until I we get a name see. for him. Okay, uh, Alain Delon, who is a French oh, actor from The Leopard and stuff. Yes, shit. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Purple Noon, The Leopard, uh, Red Sun with mm-hmm. um, oh god. I forget who's in it. Is that the one where Superman goes to Russia? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. Um, that that was kind of an international film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in a French version of Zorro just before this. Oh, oh wow. right, okay. Um, goes to be on to be in uh, uh, the Concorde Airport seventy nine. Yeah. Um, and won a uh, Cesar Award for uh, Notre Histoire. He's so. a damn good actor. This is a very good shout. Mm. If you want a Charnier replacement, effectively. Mm. It's a good call. Very so handsome some, man. Some bangers in the 70s here, Tim. I'm liking this cast a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, the French Connection 1 being this big powerhouse, you could attract You can names. get yeah. who you yeah. fucking want in 1975. Yeah, I, I can't argue with any of it. I think it's all very solid. Mm-hmm. Would you like to be in a sequel to the best picture, best editor, <laughs> best director, blah, 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 blah mm-hmm. Academy Award winning? The Godfather? Yes, yes, the one would. from the previous year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. French yeah, Connection? Yeah, yeah that one. <laughs> okay, so... Four years after the events of the first film, we follow Cloudy Russo home to a small apartment where we learn he has got divorced and is now working at the police academy. Prepare for some wacky adventure. <laughs> Michael Winslow! Love it. <laughs> <laughs> As he prepares a depressing meal for one, he is attacked, killed, Jesus, and the crime scene is staged so it resembles an accident. Roy Scheider... Dead within the first five minutes. No, that makes sense to me. Within the first fucking 90 seconds, Tim. Jesus yeah. Christ. That's the kind of cold open that's going to hook me into this thing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Later, detectives Billy McMillan and Frank Buster Beaumont from the Homicide Division investigate, but are told by their superiors to classify the death as an accident. God damn. Straight in there, killing old Shider. He's busy. He's got jaws. He's got to jaws to make him, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got... Oh, my God. Oh, you brought Cloudy back. Yeah. Tim giveth, Tim taketh away. Yeah. So whenever Tim says, "Oh, I'm bringing this character in," whether it's an actor, a character, or otherwise, it's like, let's just be careful. Why? <laughs> I've got a character who's a dog. What are you going to do, Tim? <laughs> Does the dog die? Dot com. That's fine. Yeah. We should start submitting our pictures to Does the dog die? <laughs> just in case. Anyway, shocked that the NYPD would ignore the death of one of their own, Macmillan digs into Russo's previous cases and discovers that he worked on the Charnier bust. Of course. Which has already passed into NYPD legend. He meets with Captain Vincent from the Narcotics Division and requests the file on the case, but is warned that, as successful as it was, the Charnier bust has a way of destroying everyone involved. Which is nice, because it sets that enigmatic tone of this thing that's just a... See, this is, this is building on the ambiguity of the ending yeah. of the first one. It's like, oh, it's a bit of a legend. It's a bit of a myth that you've got this enigmatic mm. aura around it, which I'm very much The drug enjoying. bus was made, but at what price? Yeah. Meanwhile, 
Buster has a rendezvous with a prostitute who tells him she has heard that a major heroin smuggling ring is looking to recommence operations on the East Coast, having had to lay low for the past few years. Buster presses her for more information, but the only other thing she has heard is the name. Shanye. God damn. Buster passes on to Macmillan, and the pair decide Russo's death cannot be a coincidence, and that they should investigate further. Buster meets with the informants while Macmillan digs into the Shanye file, frustrated that their primary detective, Popeye Doyle, seems to have dropped off the face of the earth. Mm. To the moon! <gasps> the moon connection. Yeah. Sign me up. It's still the French connection, but French... France colonized the moon. <laughs> French is an acronym that stands for... Far-reaching. Far-reaching Earth Astro Command Headquarters. I don't know why Earth begins with an A. I did add, I did <laughs> add an French. A. French. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Eventually, one of Buster's informants, Renzo, reveals that he knows the whereabouts of Doyle and leads the two detectives to a flop house where they discover Doyle hooked on heroin. Oh, interesting. They take him to a cheap motel and attempt to get him clean paying Renzo to help them keep watch over him. As Doyle begins to sober up, we learn that his life fell apart after the Charnier bust, and he began using heroin over a year ago. God damned him. A great starting point, because rather than grinding the story to the halt in the middle, yeah. you start at the low point. Mm, Tim. Interesting. Timmy, Tim, Very Tim, Tim. interesting. Like I said, I really enjoy the fact that he has the whole heroin thing. Yeah. And I love what you're doing so far, Tim. You're, you're cooking it nicely as they say in the heroin business. <laughs> Get me a spoon. <laughs> Get me a spoon for this pitch right now, Tim. Matt, bring your lighter. Thank you. Obligatory drug paraphernalia noises in the background there. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Macmillan holds off on telling about Russo's death, worried he won't cope. But Buster decides to reveal it, hoping it will shake him out of his fog. Doyle is devastated by the news and struggles to cope with the idea that Charnier is resuming operations. He tells Macmillan and Buster that the Frenchman is dead, but seems unsure about it. And when they push for him for more information, he refuses to say more. Macmillan and Buster go to visit Lou Boker in prison, who claims total ignorance over Charnier returning to New York, but says he has been offered work in Brooklyn's shipyards after he gets out, which is strange because he doesn't know anyone who works there. The pair go to observe the shipyards, and after several hours shaking out the area, they spot a trio of shifty-looking dock workers. They attempt to tell them, but are spotted, leading to a foot chase where they eventually catch them, only to discover that one of the group is an undercover cop. I like that. That's nice. Mm. Captain Vincent chastises the two detectives, telling them to stick to their own beat. Now, I like this because as well, on paper, it's like, go for a chase. The French connection chases are always real goddamn good. Yep. Even them just like staking out the scene where you have like a scene where like, four people on a road and having a tail and then someone steps into the frame, so I can see that being the same sort of energy and things. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Meanwhile, Popeye fights to go cold turkey, with Renzo caring for the struggling cop. Renzo relates to the semi-conscious Doyle how he lost his own older brother to heroin, and how he has seen it destroy lives and neighbourhoods. Mm. Over several weeks, Popeye grows stronger, while Macmillan and Buster attempt to keep their ear to the ground, learning that New York is now awash with heroin. Sharing this info with Popeye, he tells them that Charnier has almost certainly resumed operations. Buster suggests that, since they cannot investigate the case with Vincent keeping an eye on them, Popeye should. Macmillan is hesitant, but eventually relents, and Popeye begins to surveil the shipyards. Working with the two detectives, he's able to identify several ships that have falsified their papers, 
but the trio are still unable to work out how the smugglers are getting the heroin off the ships without anyone noticing. The long night begins to take a toll on him, and on several occasions, he thinks he spots Charnier. Sneaky little cameos by Fernando Ray there. Mm-hmm. Nice, Tim. I like it. Only to realize he's mistaken. And that was almost the idea of him, like, turning and he sees the back of his head. And then as he turns around, it's another person's face and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Like, yeah, nice, yeah, nice. I like that. Having identified a ship in dry dock that they think was used to smuggle heroin, Popeye, Macmillan, and Buster decide to raid it during the night. Sneaking around, they find evidence of the smuggling operation, but not enough to convict anyone. As they are preparing to leave, they hear voices and conceal themselves to eavesdrop on the conversation. They hear a French man discussing the smuggling operation being aided by our well-connected friend. A French-connected friend. (laughs) Our well-connected friend. Thank you, Matthew. It's a young... Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert. (laughs) God, how old is Lambert? He says that there can be only one. (laughs) (laughs) He must be in his, like, in teenage years at this point? Infancy? I'm Baby. not gonna lie. I did. I when I was casting around for a Frenchman, I was like, "How, how old hell. is Lambert at this point?" But he wasn't the right age. No, that's fair. He'd be. I think he'd be in his like uh, early twenties. Early. 19s. I think he'd be eighteen at this point. Yeah, I think he was fifty-seven. His birth year. Correct. Fair. When the Frenchman leaves, Macmillan and Buster initially remain hidden, but Popeye decides to pursue him because that sounds as Popeye as fuck. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A gunfight breaks out between the detectives and the smugglers as the Frenchman flees. Buster is pushed from the ship, dropping into the dry dock below and breaking his leg. As Popeye continues to fight his way to the Frenchman, the smugglers open the floodgates, letting the river fill up the dry dock. Because I liked that thing. Yeah, that was a good action set piece. Bit of a Poseidon adventure feel. Mm. Not something you see all the time. Exactly. Bringing a dry dock into it and having Mm. that, like we said, the kind of sluice gate dynamic Mm. being there. Very cool. So much about action scenes is where you hold them. And that was something I hadn't actually seen before. Popeye is in the best position to rescue Buster, but decides to try and reach the Frenchman instead, leaving Macmillan to dive into the rapidly filling dry dock to save his partner. Interesting. Popeye almost manages to reach the Frenchman, recognising him as a man he mistook for Charnier earlier. But a large goon intercepts him, and the pair fight as the Frenchman departs. In the aftermath of the bungled raid, Captain Vincent reads Macmillan and the injured Buster the riot act, suspending them. Meanwhile, Popeye... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Do we get... Give me a goddamn badge and a gun. <laughs> you got that kind of scene? Something like that. We can, yeah. only, we can only assume so. Yeah, that's all I need. Meanwhile, Popeye returns to the motel, revealing that he grabbed a small package of heroin from the goon he fought. Frustrated with the failure of the raid and haunted by the ghosts of Russo and Ray, he prepares to take the heroin, only to be interrupted by Renzo. I was really frustrated, because this is essentially mirroring a bit that happens in The French Connection too. Yes. I was really annoyed that they had him have that, and then he's just like, my willpower is strong now, and I shall get rid of this heroin. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, that's not how addiction works. No. Like, I mean, the, you're right, and it's really frustrating, because as I said, he doesn't learn it, because he doesn't need to. He's like, I'm just a best capo. And it's like, no, yeah. you're not. The, uh, just to sidetrack for a second, in Dope Sick, the, on, on Disney Plus in mm. the UK, there's a great line, which is like, you know, that Jesus is going to heal. You don't want it. It's like, I don't care about Jesus. I just care about heroin mm. now after the, obviously the opioid stuff and the, getting on, hooked on oxycodone, etc. Because, yeah, when you're addicted to something, it's not a question of willpower, mm-hmm. arguably. It's yep. just the need for it and the situation and the circumstance. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, sorry, yeah. The pair fight as Renzo attempts to stop him, successfully flushing the heroin down the toilet. 
but Popeye beats him badly in retaliation before sinking to the ground beside him. Again, I think having that demon of addiction hovering yes, over him yes. at all times. Like we said, he doesn't get over it and goes a bit too far beating the shit out of Renzo. That's pretty in character for Popeye, <laughs> to be honest. The next day, Popeye visits Macmillan's apartment, and the normally reserved Macmillan lays into him, telling him that he's a terrible excuse for a human being, let alone a cop, and that he's a liability to the investigation. Agreed. Uh, yep. Yeah, <laughs> Popeye's true. a maniac. Yeah. Popeye takes the abuse, and when Macmillan brings up Popeye's conflicting stories over Shania being dead or alive, Doyle admits that he does not know. Ooh. Shania ambushed him during the raid, shooting and wounding him. Oh. Doyle has vague memories of beating Shania to death, but isn't sure what actually happened. It was while he was recovering from being shot that he got hooked on painkillers, which led to the heroin addiction. I was going to bring this up, so I'm glad you point this out, because I think the audience might be like, "Mm, don't know that he's just a drug user now. Mm. It's like, no, this is a consequence of these things. Mm. Very good, very good. painkiller addiction is a whole Mm. epidemic in America that we know about now. Mm. Rise and fall, that thing. Exploring this Mm. thing in the 70s is, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. In the aftermath of Popeye's confession, Macmillan produces papers he stole from the boat last night telling Popeye that, despite appearances, he's not 100% by the book. Burying the hatchet, the pair go through the evidence, realising that an unlabeled schedule found on the boat is a timetable of New York's Harbour Patrol, and the smugglers must have a mole in the NYPD. Mm. Macmillan struggles to believe that a highly placed cop would allow so much heroin to flow into the city and the country, but Popeye tells him that greedy cops have always looked the other way. It's just a matter of one rising high enough to do it on this scale. Macmillan prepares to call the Harbour Patrol, telling them they need to change their schedule in order to catch the smugglers, but Popeye stops him, going back to the notes he made during his stakeout on the shipyards. The smuggler ships haven't been avoiding the Harbour Patrol. They've been coming in at the right time to meet them. That's how they've been getting the heroin to shore. Mm. The Harbour Patrol are in on it, goddammit! Of course they are. Classic The Wire kind of situation there. Yeah, yeah. The second season with the docks and stuff. Yes, exactly, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. With the duck that gets drunk. Um, yeah. Buster, his broken leg in a cast, borrows his brother's boat and the three detectives tail the harbour patrol boat, witnessing cops loading packages onto their boats under the guise of a raid on the smuggler's ship. Mm. They tail the harbour patrol ship to a dock on Staten Island and spot the Frenchman, who Popeye has nicknamed Frog Alpha, (laughs) supervising the police as they hand off the confiscated shipments to his men. Docking nearby, Popeye and Macmillan prepare to raid the wharf when they spot Captain Vincent shaking hands with Frog Alpha. My God, it's the only other named policeman in the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> the betrayal. <laughs> I mean, this is interesting because, again, it's the classic like police involvement. It's like, would they allow it? It's like, well, it's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Macmillan despairs, saying that Vincent has powerful connections throughout the city and will surely shield the smugglers from any charges they try to bring. Popeye replies that it may take him time, but he eventually learns from his mistakes and produces a camera with a powerful zoom lens, taking numerous photos as Frog Alpha hands off an envelope full of money and a package of heroin to the captain. Imagine this is a massive fucking lens because it's the (laughs) 70s. That was the technology (laughs) at the time. This big fucking camera lens. Might as well be a fucking cannon. Yeah, or a telescope at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Passing the camera to Buster and telling him to guard it with his life, Popeye and Macmillan raid the dock killing a number of the smugglers. Macmillan manages to corner Vincent as he attempts to flee, knocking him out with a single punch, while Popeye pursues Frog Alpha, who manages to get to his car. Popeye steals a nearby truck, and after a thrilling chase, thank you, Tim, thrilling chase there, nice. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it, love it. Crashes into Frog Alpha's car on the Bayonne Bridge. That's the bridge between Staten Island and Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
As Popeye handcuffs Frog Alpha to his truck, the Frenchman tells him, my father will be most displeased to hear about your of your involvement. Mm. Popeye asks him what he means by that. And he introduces himself as Alain Chanier Jr. Popeye throws his hat to the ground, yelling, motherfucker! And the film ends. Nice. Mm. Intriguing. Intriguing. Yeah. So who's writing the third one? <laughs> <laughs> like my, We've had two pitches in a row end with setting up potentially a third film. Mm. We had Khan at the end of mine and motherfucker at the end of yours. I feel like I think this we should is swap those round. Yep. emulating the, the classic French Connection one where it's like, huh? is it good? Is there, is there more? But not in a French Connection 2 way where you go, oh. Oh, oh, okay. Interesting, very interesting. Weirdly enough, it feels a bit ending of Chinatown as well to me. Like there's This is that. true. It's all fucked up. We don't know what we're going to do. We've made some progress, but... There's what, more, what do you think is going to happen deal with? Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of negatives, Tim. I really like the story. Same. I love it. I like it a lot. I have some suggestions, maybe? Go ahead. Cast, great. Pitch, great. Director, great. No problem there. And as we said before, the story on paper isn't the thing that makes it a French Connection movie, technically. Mm. It's that feel, it's that flow, and I think that's mm. a thing that's hard to convey in a pitch, but I think you, we can picture it quite easily. Mm. The only thing I think you're going to get like really hit a fucking wall with, because mm. this is the best story to tell, mm. is the amount of police involvement in the first one. Mm. And that, that close tie and I even I said, like, even the stuff they're showing, they're like, oh, that's pretty fucking awful. Mm. Now, they'd be proud of that at the time. Yeah. One thing they weren't <laughs> proud of was police corruption, in theory. Yeah. So I wonder if they, you'd have a real trouble getting this story through where they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to happily talk about how the... A crooked captain. Mm, yeah. Thing, yeah. Um, now, having said that, because that's why in the second film, it's like, it's, yeah, it's fine to have these things because it's France. Mm. If you have anything that's gone wrong, that's fine. Yeah. Blame it's the French. French. Yeah. yeah. But... And also there's an American with a gun, so problem solved. So my bold, bold, bold suggestion is to take a little further departure and take it into the 80s, Ooh, when New York is starting to turn around. It's wow. still dark and crime is rife mm. and it's miserable, but by mid-80s you get to the point where New York is like, you know, it's on the up. So if you do this as 1981, for argument's sake, mm. and Doyle is like, just give it more time for that to gestate that he mm -hmm. is literally out of the element and completely disposed and that New York is a different place. Also, because by then you do have this cultural shift with regards to people going, oh yeah, the cops are pretty bad. And I think there's enough time has passed by that, that, that it could mean different. Just because I think the four years is good. I think 1975 is enough time for it to go into this point that, you know, that the characters could have gone so off the rails mm. and so different. That's fine. But my, that's my only thing is to just take it a little bit, of, just keep push it a bit further, basically. Mm. Um, but, I, would, I mm. would wonder how that would work with Doyle's heroine and stuff, because if, mm. if you're playing along with a similar kind of timeline here, sure, sure. that means he would have been on heroin for like nine years yes, at that point. Yes, I know, I know. To you, has still have think, that character moment, which I think works really well in your no. pitch, Tim. Yeah. No, I, I think it'd be a, a very long, slow descent where he went to alcohol. Alcohol mm. wasn't enough. He went to painkillers mm. painkillers weren't enough yeah. he went to and then you know mm. eventually it's, yeah. it's the, it's the gateway to, to the gateway, the gateway. More, right? yeah, yeah. Um, especially because also in the 80s not, we're not full on oh we are full on Reagan at this point I think probably but yeah by on drugs, you are but shit yeah. but, but that's different um, but that's, that's the only thing I was going to throw out there really is a suggestion making mm. it more of a thing um, because again 
feeling like this, the audience, more importantly, the, the, the involvement behind the scenes to get this story over the line. But having mm. said that, if you can get it done in 75, I have no problem with that at all because mm. I think it works. So, yeah. I think the, the way that you maybe get it done is you focus on it, be, which is the way that often when we, we The way it always gets done <laughs> is the bad apples. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. of like, oh, but we show the police in general are really good. It's just this one bad guy. And once you've got rid of him, then it's fine. Everybody's it's fine. like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. but also the institution and all these policies and et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, no, um, that, that's entirely legit. I think it's fair. Yeah. And that is what usually happens. How yes. do we get people to sign off on this? Well, we'll say it's not all of them. Yeah. It's just one crooked cop. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. One thing I'd like to see explored a little bit more is the, and I really like this moment, is the, Popeye leaving Buster broken and basically to die mm. and then having that tension with McMillan. I'd almost like Buster to have a bit of a conflict with Popeye. Yeah. You left me to die, asshole, and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Mm. Like having that. Because he does run off all the time to do his own fucking thing. Yeah, mm. but him being that kind of... Blinkered vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loose cannon off the books kind of cop. And obviously mm. McMillan kind of plays into that as well. Mm. But having a bit more of that tension, there, there's a section there where we're kind of like, McMillan lays into him, blah, blah, blah. And then the three get on a boat and they're off they go. And I'm like, I would quite like Buster to have a bit more because I think Buster's probably my favorite character. I really like Buster. <laughs> <laughs> have him have a bit more of that kind of, not necessarily to to take down uh, Popeye anymore because mm. he's already been pretty fucking low in this movie. But I think having having a bit of more tension between the three of them and like, are you going to look out for me this time, motherfucker? Yeah, like, yeah. are we going to, sure. oh, yeah. when we when we make this raid, have you got my back? Like, yeah. are you going to chuck me in the fucking sea next time? Like mm. having this kind of moment mm. and building that tension there and that kind of inherent dis that distrust they have yeah. with that. Yeah. Can we trust a fucking junkie? He's like, hey man, don't yeah. call him a junk. He's getting better. He's getting <laughs> clean and all that kind of stuff and having I can that imagine kind of like as well. He gets high, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. What he is, what he does. You're exactly. Junk. Yeah. I don't trust him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I've seen addicts. I don't. Yeah. 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 I. I yeah. I. There was a point where I was going to have Buster die during Ooh, that interesting shootout, but then I was like, I've already killed off Cloudy. Yeah. And having like two cops who have both lost their partners felt a little bit too cliche. Um, I, I get that. I. I think you made the right move. But yeah, yeah. I think definitely. I could see a moment, especially because they're then on a boat with like Buster almost like throwing, threatening to throw him overboard. Yes, that's uh, exactly what I imagine. But yeah, I, I also yeah. like I picture Buster is a mu is closer to a Popeye, but not as off the rails as mm. Popeye, and sure. he he's probably roughly in line with where Cloudy was. Um, and then Macmillan is quite by the book and quite yeah. kind of straight laced. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, they would have a kind of a more of a rapport, but also, yeah, he he then <laughs> fucks off and uh, and doesn't rescue him. So yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, I would definitely have a moment where that potential was explored. You you could use that as a as a bonding point between the two of them as well, and have mm. that kind of like you're telling me you would have done the same thing, yeah. and Buster's <laughs> kind of like, oh god damn it, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I can let's just get this son of a bitch like yeah. having that moment there where you yeah. have that real mm -hmm. tension they clash up against each other and then you kind of build on the similarities between the mm -hmm. two of them well mm -hmm. and have them kind of and Macmillan's there kind of almost like mediating between the two and, and trying to balance them out mm -hmm. a little bit like oh, I don't need two of these motherfuckers yeah. like yeah. <laughs> two of these loose cannon guys I was also torn on whether to go back to Renzo um, mm. because I was like I can't see Popeye going back and like apologizing to this guy. No, oh, no, no, God, no, no. Um, no. So I don't, I feel like 
I kind of can't have that. I feel like he would just like beat the shit out of him and then just be on his way and not really learn his lesson that, from any of that. But based on the character that we've seen thus far, that is entirely in character. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that he beats him up and then just kind of collapses beside mm. him. And we've seen that in films before, but mm. having that moment where, you know, Popeye is properly broken at that point, mm. like having all the shit he's been through, you know, losing Cloudy in that way as well. And that whole, not even, you know, that wasn't the thing that tipped him over to heroin. He's already been to that dark mm. place and then having this other step. I think that's, yeah, really nice. Mm. I, can, I can totally imagine that working and, and, Hackman just acting the fuck out of it as mm. he often does. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's frustrating because there's a thing I'd like to see, but I don't know if I do want to see it. Mm. Part of the reason the French a sex scene. Ten mm. sex scenes. Um part of the reason the French connection is so interesting is that it tells you up front, literally from the first fucking scene, this is the bad guy. Mm. Yeah. And you follow the bad guy's machinations from start to end. And you see the foil of it all because of the, you know, so you as the audience aren't uh piecing things together as mm. Doyle is, you are waiting for him to get there. Yeah, it's a bit like the Columbo model. Very much so. And I'm torn because I don't know if the film would be improved if I saw more of, you know, the operation mm. of Chanye Jr. earlier. That was that was something I was weighing up as well, yeah. because he doesn't show up until quite late into the film. Yeah. Um, and then he's just a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, it's fine. That, that works. And I think that, that has a, an impact, certainly. But I wonder overall on like say repeat viewings or whatever it would be. Yeah. It'd be like, actually, I wanted more complexity from my villain. Mm. And I don't think I got that because I think you kept him at But then I can know why you kept him at arm's length. So it's mm. it's a again, it's a difficult one. You could mm. weave him in a little bit earlier. Mm. I mean, not this not literally doing this as a bad example, but having him in the background of a couple of shots, maybe. Mm. And even playing with the audience expectation, even maybe even before we get to Doyle Popeye having that moment of like that's Charnier. Like mm. we have that moment as an audience as mm. well, and have sometimes it's Fernando Ray, sometimes it's Ellen Delon. Mm. Like having that switch around and kind of things mm. in the background, mm. and maybe I don't know necessarily we need to have like separate mm. scenes for that, or just like we're in the streets mm. and there's this moment. And uh, is that the first film? It kind of looks like no, 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 no. So mm. that's, that's some other guy. Then, yeah, I mean, the, then... there's a couple of there's a couple of sequences in there where we have first. Macmillan and, and Buster surveilling the docks, and then we have um, Popeye surveilling them. Yeah. So you could easily put in there some more scenes that are actually, oh no, here is the operation, and here is shifty shit going on, and yeah, and a little bit more from the the kind of yeah, the criminal that might be enough to just bounce out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a good note. It, it, like I say, it was something that I was thinking mm. about, but kind of decided both for brevity and for. Um, yeah. Oh and yeah, and I, I again, having written, if I wrote this myself, I'd probably be in the same dilemma. You're like, I don't want to just repeat the first film, but also I have a thing I'm building towards. I want it to mean something. Yeah, but also, it's, it's, uh, yeah, and I think you, as I say, it's not necessarily about making the right or wrong choice here. It's about exploring the options because I don't know until you see it. Mm. I mean, because again, you could describe all of French Connection Two as a sequelizer's pitch and go, sounds good. Yeah, sounds yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, and then go. Yeah, something about it feels rough. So yeah. things missing. Yeah, the main things to correct for me were I I liked Popeye getting hooked on heroin. I thought that yep. was a really Same interesting when, thing. Yeah. And yep. It's moving it to the front so that it doesn't it, it builds from there rather than having it be totally agree the with you, slamming yep. on halfway through the film. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and to make his recovery a little less clean and to, to show the, the, the trouble that it causes him. That's a, a key change for sure, I think. The the fact that we have such a clean for want of a better phrase, as, as brutal as it is and as hardcore as that you know, this even the second film mm. gets with that subject, it's a pretty clear like he's clean now and everything's fine. Yeah. And, for want of a better phrase, like here they, he is they, doing some very bad pull-ups. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like pop, old Popeye's back kind of thing. Mm. Whereas you have it, like you mentioned, over the next few weeks, and almost have like play on that, and really have him like fully recovering over the course of the entire film. Mm. Whereas with the actual French Connection too, as I said, it, it starts halfway through, well, twenty-five half an hour through the movie, and then builds through that, and we. Kind of, it kind of feels a bit rushed, whereas I feel with your version, Tim, you get the chance to really play out his full recovery. And, you know, once an addict, always an addict plays onto that. You have mm. maybe Buster McMillan judging him from that side as well. Mm. And him kind of realizing like, yeah, I'm never going to be the same again. Mm. I made these mistakes. Yeah. I've made these choices. People who are addicts aren't just scum and all mm. that kind of stuff, yes. which is his opinion in the first film. Mm. Have that play on with like, this is who I am now. and I need to live with it and manage this on a daily basis. Which is nice because we, we said one of the things I don't, I think it, it, both the French Connection and French Connection 2 sort of miss and lack, unfortunately, is growth. But I don't learn shit. Yeah. Ever. No, um, I think there's an opportunity for that in this film. Yeah, and sure. the fact that it's like, oh, where's the Popeye I recognized in the first film? He was kind of fun. No, mm. it's life He's is been hard. through some dark, dark shit. And yeah. I think that in part is due to the fact that they had Egan and and um, yeah the other police consultants working on the film because you're basically telling a guy to his face like we're going to turn you into a junkie yeah. now and this is your legacy. People know Popeye is based on you, so yeah. Yeah. you're a junkie now. And, so. it, and it's that thing of like people people change in real life, but they don't experience clean character growth the way they do in films. Yeah, and mm, also yeah. especially in that first film, you would have to be like, well, we're going to start you out this way, but we're going to end you up that way, and the person like Egan's just going to turn around and go like, no, I was the same the whole way through. I was just a detective doing my job. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that was the other thing I wanted. I, I wanted a bit more police work. And that, that's kind of one of the reasons I kept it in New York. I was like, yes, because it, if he's not, I mean, obviously Popeye's not an actual detective in this cause he's kind of off the force, mm. but you have detectives who are doing the actual kind of work of stuff. Yeah. Um, Which is, I think something the first film does well and we haven't really touched on is, Mm. They have the downtime and stuff. They they yeah. they it's, show real policing and a lot that of the of first yeah. film is just them sitting in cars or like driving slowly yep. behind people. Yeah, hanging in doorways waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's a wonderful scene which apparently because because they, they had to sh- film a certain point. New York was so goddamn cold. They had to keep hiding in a shoe shop because it's too fucking freezing. And then yeah, so the, scene the, like the, the temperature they were shooting in was like minus fifteen or something. Yeah, like that. ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And the fact yeah, that wasn't it like the cameras were freezing yes. as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. The, the film froze over a couple of times. Yeah. Which right. really fe- gives the whole, again, that, 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 that ambience, that feeling, that it's like it's a hostile place. Yeah. Because they're like, Popeye's like literally stood in a doorway watching Shania eating in a restaurant. And it's the, it's the literal crime doesn't pay. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a cop out here in the fucking cold, freezing my ass off. And he's in there enjoying fancy food. Crime most definitely pays. Yeah. But yeah, so I think I think it's it's interesting because Popeye starts off being very um, unrecognizable to the audience, shall we say? Mm. But he so he becomes this similar fish out of water story, mm. 
But because it's New York, because it's the water is heroin. The water is heroin. He swims through it like a fish. (laughs) Um, But it's more the idea that by the end of the movie, you are seeing some of his familiar tropes. Yeah. Mm. That's that progress of that recovery, right? We're finally seeing the old, somewhat more successful, more put together Popeye Mm. creeping through this kind of shell of a man we've had throughout the film. Like, not to make it again too clean and easy for him. But there is definitely a point in this film where he puts the hat back on and you're yeah. like, there we go. Popeye's, Popeye's back. back, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. That would go down well. Yeah. Nice. Great work, Tim. Great work. Yeah. Fantastic stuff, dude. Really enjoyed that. Listeners, let us know what you thought of The French Connection 2. Yeah. <laughs> the, the is back. You're welcome. That's the most important thing. Only fix. <laughs> <laughs> when you had like 1975, Frankenheimer, <laughs> all I've done is put the the back in. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. If you have any thoughts on The French Connection, French Connection 2, or Tim's Fix, The French Connection 2, please do let us know on social media. We are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can go to Sequelizers.com. You can find all the archives of all of our previous episodes, all coming on 200 episodes now, I believe. Good Lord. I know, right? It's pretty crazy. All the live streams, our shop for our merch, little bios about us, links to our Discord as well, which is a fantastic community of Sequelizers listeners where we talk about everything from basically like live reactions to people listening to the episodes as they catch up or as as they're released, pretty much. We get some people going back to the previous seasons and catching up with, oh, hey, I'm on season eight. And they chat about season eight for a bit and we all go, oh, yeah, that was a good one. This was terrible. This was great. Have those nice little moments. And yeah, we we're in there pretty regularly, kind of catching up, answering questions about the pitches that come out and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's a really nice community, and there's links for all of that on sequelizers.com, as I said. If you'd like to follow me, I am JLW Chambers on pretty much everything. I tweet about stuff like wrestling and DD and SEO, stuff for my day job. And uh, yeah, Matt, how can people follow you on the internet and social medias? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the Red Right Hand to read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make. And you can search for Sumo Drop as part of the BBG Wrestling Channel, my sumo wrestling coverage. Tim, if you were a, a cop in the in the 70s, a no nonsense, not by the book, no strings cop. And no good nick. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> I wanted to say that as well. If you were one of them motherfuckers. And you had some sort of nickname I could catch you by, and I shout it to the wind, and you'd say, Ah, old Tim's back. Mm. What would it be? It'd be trivia underscore lad, which happens to be my Twitter profile. What a weird Thank coincidence. Christ. Yeah. Especially weird that I'd put the underscore in there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Buster Popeye. Cloudy underscore. Underscore. <laughs> uh, but that's where you can find me on Twitter, where I am occasionally talking about nonsense. Um, and then sometimes I'm on the Discord, also talking about nonsense usually. That's me. Wherever you go, Tim will talk nonsense. Don't you worry. Mm. And we'll be back next week with Matt's first pitch of the season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So bear in mind, it's literally going to go Jack, Tim, Matt, Jack, Tim, Matt, Jack, Tim, Matt. So you can kind of predict and guess where we're going to be going for the rest of the season. Or can you? The question is, how much heroin will there be in the next episode? That's an excellent question. Yeah. Like a fair amount would be my guess. If you know, knowing's half the battle. That's pretty good. Knowing is indeed half the battle. And in fact, next week's episode is a executive 
producer pick. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah. yeah Our point. first one of the season. First one of the season. We've got a few more coming up. We've got four in total, including the uh, vote as well by the patrons. Mm. So yeah, three executive producer picks and a Patreon vote coming up later in the season as well. Next week's is the first executive producer pick, and it's an interesting one. Very interesting. Jack, you that's not I, I have you not got like your regular catchphrase going for this season? Are you trying to break it? Has no, not specifically, no. You don't want to say how it's it is something completely different. Yeah. You said the <laughs> thing. <laughs> say the line, Bart. Get that man some heroin. What? <laughs> it it is something very different. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's completely different. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't couldn't be well, it could be further, but yeah. Everything could be further. Both, of, both the of them have sequences set in France. Oh, shit, yeah. That's a very good point, Tim. Good connection. Yeah. And I watched all four of these movies in one day. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, here's a little hint for you. It's quite the tonal whiplash, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, not and, kidding. Uh, yeah, we'll get on to that next week. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate everyone who listens, everyone who supports his reviews on all the podcast apps and all that kind of stuff. And we will see you next week. Bye.